Welcome to episode 163 of the Better With Running podcast. My name is Chris Armstrong. I'm a Run to PB coach and part-time fashion designer. And joining me, as always, is fellow Run to PB coach and part-time model, Zach and Newman. How's things, mate? Hey, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting intro there, mate. So you're joining us from uh, Paris, are you? Over there on um, doing a catwalk show? Mm. Got a show coming up later um, this evening, 11 p.m. Australian time. But um, it yeah, no, there, apparently. So, it is. Uh, it mate, every week's fashion week. But um, no, so we've got the call up. So yeah, um, we get yeah. the runway down the Botan. Mm, no, going to um, for some reason I'm just doing socks, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. It starts small, small, humble beginnings. Oh, well, I don't know how I've become a part-time model, mate, unless it's uh, children's wear or hand <laughs> model. But yeah, anyway. Team at Ernie Odd, big to differ. And um, Mizuno, very, very happy with your um, contributions that you've made over the last 12 months. So I reckon their shoes, uh, I think they've gone the reverse with their sales. <laughs> Since that sort of footage of me uh, on one leg, Trying to look fast in a super shoe. <laughs> I feel like Mizuno maybe maybe done some editing to maybe speed me up, change the form, make it um like the shoes a bit better. No, I assure you the shoes are bloody good. I think it's just my form and my body at the moment. <laughs> oh, well, we'll have to see when the follow up call comes. So I guess that's when the where the proof is. They're happy with the work. The um, uh, Tommy Hall's um blocked. The, Oh, the, Tommy, Tommy will be Tommy will be in touch for the summer range shortly, I believe. So yeah, watch this space on that one. I believe Tommy probably at the footy over the weekend. He's not a Collingwood fan, but uh, he is a he's a he sits up in the MCC, mate. He's in the long room most weekends, so he's probably at the grand final with another hundred thousand of his mates. Uh, oh. Epic, epic weekend. I know Brady, geez, he uh, he actually got a ticket in the end. He was absolutely, uh, I had to put him on mute over the weekend. <laughs> he was popping off uh, all kinds of things. And I mean, the week off, like, geez, he was, yeah, he's giving me all the ins and the outs and the rumours. And, but uh, yeah, big, uh, big kudos to the Collingwood uh, Footy Club. It was a pretty impressive win. Uh, well done, Collingwood, and to all their con- supporters as well. I, I experienced it a couple of years ago when Melbourne won. It's a pretty exciting time. So no it's doubt. Um, I've, I think I've muted the words Collingwood, flag pies, um, premiership, yeah. all, all on social media. So I haven't seen a lot of footage. And so that's <laughs> um, Wellness Run 2021. Yep. You got a chance to put, the, put your hands on the cup. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, we ran a PB in the morning and then went to the MCG in the afternoon for the grand final party. So, yeah, that was probably, that was, that's going to go down as one of the most epic days ever yeah. for me. But Sunday, yeah. Yeah, literally. Um, there was definitely a PB in life that day. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, and I think our man Mitch, man, Mitch was there at the grand final as well. I think he so. was. He's stuck uh, on so. the ground. You know what? Mitch is like us. Um, was chatting him today. He's, uh, he's got a gig commentating the Melbourne Marathon. So, uh, mm. yeah, he will shoot the lights out on that one. I, oh. I ended up getting a late call up to that in maybe, I feel like it was it was definitely pre-COVID. Maybe I called it in 2019. And uh, it's a tough gig because you get there at four or five at all because it's a legit you're in the mcc mcg commentary boxes and 
they got the full setup going on and you're there till till 12 and you're cool. calling them all in and you're getting the crosses and you're just, it's, you just talk about, um, you know, on course nutrition and fueling up for the marathon. I had to fuel up on the coffees on that way because <laughs> just to keep the energy going, I know Mitch is, Mitch is the man for it because I, yeah, if you go back to that live stream, like four hours in, I, I don't know what we were saying because it's just <laughs> like, yeah, because you're crossing to all different parts and then there's a half going on and then you're, you know, they're in your ear saying, oh, you know, this this person's raised this amount of charity and you kind of, you have no background. You're just sort of going in off the, off the cold. So uh, <laughs> it's a it's a tough, it's a, it's a really fun gig, but it was, uh, it's, it's a big day. And Mitch, will smash that. He's got a team. Uh, he's going to do a little bit of straight at it stuff where uh, he's going to do some post-race interviews and things like that. So, um, yeah, definitely follow straight at it. You'll see, uh, you'll see Mitchy on the Melbourne Marathon live stream, but also through his socials. Mitchy will bring in energy that has not been seen before yeah. <laughs> at the Melbourne Marathon or in Australian marathoning circles, full stop mm-hmm. for that matter. Um, you know, I want to upgrade up. the, um, sorry, I was going to say, they might want to upgrade the the rating. Yeah. The rated G. I might need to uh, put, put that up to MA, I reckon. The colour of the day will be blue because yeah. that will be um, potentially some of the language. <laughs> that filters through um, throughout the whole of the event. But um, I, one thing I really enjoy about Gold Coast, um, especially running either the half or the 10K, is sitting in the grass, so I guess park area after mm. the race, finding a bean bag and sitting in front of the big screen, um, watching the live comms and whether it's Dave Robbo and Mona or... Um, yeah, they were absolutely brilliant. So looking forward to seeing... Mitchie's spin on things, um, broadcast hopefully across the scoreboard at the MCG, and hope like similar to last year they might have. Um, I think they had a couple of trucks with LED screens there in the parkland for people to, to sort of bound up to it and have a bit of a look. So they're bringing that. Um, normally people are glued to the road to see how pe- you know their mates come in and all that. Maybe not this year. They might actually be in the G wanting to um, listen to Mitchie's wisdom and um, some of his pearls as uh, as the various masses cross the line in what, in what is a truly a sold-out event. They have the five, the ten, the half, and the four. There's no tickets for anyone. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be big. We're gonna, obviously, we're going to dig into that a bit today, tonight on the chat. A bit about taper. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's yeah, two weeks out, so people are getting uh, a little bit edgy. Uh, in taper mode and we're mm. going to address a bit of that we've got some training updates just on that Melbourne marathon i think we're upwards of 80 people that are, are going to be yeah in the run to pb uh team so that's going to be a big day across the event so oh. we'll talk about what you're going to be doing on the day probably next week your plan mm-hmm. is still getting uh hatched but <laughs> it's uh yeah it's it's going to be really cool to see um yeah a number of athletes and then there's some coaches coaches are participating I know obviously Gemma which we've we've touched on uh, in the lead up we've had the, the the great opportunity to hear your insights uh, in the lead up it's going to be exciting come race day and uh, the big dance to see how that goes coach Matt he is uh, he's going to be going busy guy on the day <laughs> yes oh very. He's negotiating uh, 
negotiating the pacer at the moment. I've got a whisper that he's that he's locked and loaded a pacer for Gemma. The strict instructions, so um, we might be able to reel that next week when it becomes um, becomes formal. Uh, uh, yeah, well, it's gonna be big, big few weeks, mate, and uh, looking forward to it. No, it's gonna be great. Even Chicago Marathon as well this yeah. weekend. I know you've got some fond memories of your time over there, and I've got one of my athletes running there. <laughs> This year, Not so I've been able to first half, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, and just you know, you lead lead up for where you stayed and all the adventures that that brought. So, oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I've been been passing that on. Um, Jasmine, my athlete, she's heading over very very shortly to we've got to enjoy that opportunity. So I think we've got at least four over there. I've got two athletes there. Yeah. Uh, school actually passed um school friends. They were a couple of years above me, but. Again, weren't runners, uh, definitely weren't runners. One of them was a, a footballer, but weren't runners. And then, yeah, got in touch for a good part of eight months ago now and got into their running. And then they both said they're um, going to go over to Chicago and have a crack. So excited to see how um, Brett Telford and Astro go. So nice. been training, training lights out. So, yeah, that's going to be a cool trip. We've got Sherelle over there, one of Mads' athletes. Mm-hmm. Seen us swanning around New York pre-race. Good way to taper when you're just chilling out in New York. And then uh, she's landing in Chicago. I think she's already landed um, to, yeah, we're Wednesday. So I know the boys that I coach were flying out today. And, uh, yeah, exciting times for those, uh, for those majors. That's going to be cool. Like the amount of results that are going to filter through um, on the socials over the next couple of weeks, it's going to be amazing. It is. And uh, also tonight, a little bit of uh, world record chat. Are we going with world record chat or is it more? It's not a world record, but it's a maybe it's this Canadian running magazine article <laughs> that we've ripped off, <laughs> which, is yeah. which is the segment. <laughs> It'll be in the time slot of where world record chat would normally be, but it's probably someone who um, was competing, trying to set world records mm. um, and just but still involved in um, the pursuit of world records, but just at a, a in a different event. So yeah, looking forward to breaking that down, having a bit of a chat, and yeah, I think there's some good perspectives there, which is good. For sure, mate. And to finish up, I actually had the had the privilege to jump on the airways with Elise Beacom, our new run to BB coach. Last night we. Chatted, I think we planned, I might have put in the schedule where it'll be about 45 to, to 60 minutes. Uh, we went for 90 minutes and uh, I probably still had four or five areas that we kind of parked and said, hey, we'll actually, uh, we'll talk to your management team. We'll try and get you back on for another uh, another tilt at some of those topics because we just couldn't do them justice. So it was um, some really, she's done some amazing stuff in sort of women's health, women's running that space the media she's obviously heavily ingrained in the in the running media so we just really scratched the surface on that i'd rather i'm pretty keen to dig in deep on that one but yeah fun chat and yeah really good chance i think for the listeners and the community to hear about her running journey which is really quite inspiring yeah no at least sounds like an incredible lady i was shattered i didn't actually get the chance to to be a part of that one, but um, 90 minutes, when an interview goes 90 minutes, that's always a good sign that there's some good content. So hope, hey, mate, if, if we left some room for, for questions that were missed, maybe a part two coming up soon. Yeah, yeah, that that's, that's actually not a bad call. 
Chris, so what about we get in some training? Mm-hmm. Looks like you had 82 Ks for last week. That does sound pretty close to correct. Well, I've got yeah. this armor open, so that's, that's a, I didn't just pull that number out of well, my hat. But if yeah. it's on Strava, that <laughs> must, yeah. must be true. Um, yeah, so as you were telling me, 82 Ks for the week, um, which I'm pretty happy with. So um, nothing too earth-shatteringly amazing, I don't think. For the week, I'm, yeah, 82Ks, nice and consistent. Same regular easy Ks I guess I normally do. Um, session this week was at Telford Fartlek and not a James Telford Fartlek. Um, not as yet until he runs not, Well, yeah. not as yet. We'll, we'll see how these marathon turns out. And if it's if it's elite, then perhaps we'll... Um, Dick perhaps we'll think it, yeah. Places. But no, this is a Dick Telford session. Um, he of the um, Lisa Waitman and Michael Shelley coaching fame. But um, yes, this one is one by four minutes, two by three minutes, three by two, and four by one with a minute float recovery. Um, obviously, you can alter um, how you do the efforts. But yeah, this one was 10K effort for the ons and then, yeah, float for the offs. So I actually really enjoyed it because I haven't done a lot of work recently with a float recovery. Mm. So yeah, it was a good little challenge. I guess previously, like most of my sessions have been around probably working somewhere between that five and 10k effort for the ons and a real jog sort of recovery so you felt like you were doing some genuine recovery throughout the session whereas this i just progressively got more tired and like the second half of the session in the two minutes and the one minutes i was looking forward to that thinking that yeah i'll probably punch these out and feel a bit stronger but nah just i don't know it just felt hard towards the end not not bury yourself hard, but just mm. um, the body certainly wasn't really regenerating. So um, I think in my notes, I'd, I'd put it down as an, an eight out of 10 session in terms of effort and yeah. across the whole thing, I ended up averaging 341, which um, mm. as, as far as an okay. average goes, yeah, like as far as an average goes, that's right in the middle of what I ran from between Ballarat and Burnley. Um, so across the mm. session. So yeah, solid enough. Um, no. Yeah, yeah. so not happy with that. I think most of my efforts were in the um, low to mid-330s. The longer efforts were in the mid-330s and the shorter ones were a bit lower. Um, and then, yeah, tried to keep the floats around that sort of 4 to 405 window. Um, obviously, it being a minute and you're slowing down often if it, the watch is never really going to tell the true story, but... Yeah. yeah, it was just sort of aiming to finish up around that at the end of each minute just to try and keep that effort honest because I think sometimes in the past I remember doing floats where I've probably run a little bit too quick in the recovery early on and then not really had the option. It was, you know, towards the end of a session, you're just jogging because you cooked. So, yeah, it was it was nice to be able to hold, I guess, consistent efforts all throughout that. And being a 30-minute session, it's, it's going to say 30 minute effort. It's like a 30 minutes of you're concentrating for 30 minutes as well. Mm. You know, I'm, you know, because you've got the floats, you don't really get a chance to, to cruise and switch off. Like, and, and the change of pace, you know, you're, you're going the three by two and into the four by ones. And it's just, you constantly got to be keeping, keeping on um, both physically and mentally. Yeah. And that's it. And I suppose even just, um, you know, we're running on the road as well. So you always got an eye out for cars yeah. and, and all of that sort of thing too, which actually quick, funny story. I and mean, this isn't on the rundown sheet, but I thought it was very funny. So 
um, on a Thursday. Anna was she was down for an easy run, so not, didn't have a session herself. We did the warm up and the cool down together, but whilst I was doing my session, she was on the same loop doing some easy Ks. And regular listeners of the show will probably be familiar with the fact that we do have some crazy drivers in our area and they tend to come out a bit earlier in the day. I'm not big on things like indicators or brakes. And as it turns out, not real big on driving on the correct side of the road. So, oh. mm, yeah, so here's Anna minding her own business and running on the road, as we do, because it's safer mm. to run on the road than the footpath because God knows what's on that. But um, running along left-hand side of the road, pretty close to the gutter. Um, everything's going pretty well. And this ute just comes screaming down the wrong side of the road, um, then drives over a roundabout and continues down the, the wrong side of the road. And Anna had a high vis stuff on, and mm. <laughs> Anna's Anna's pretty strong minded, strong willed. Um, some would say stubborn, but that's probably got a negative tone about it. But um, she was like, "No, nah, I'm on the right side of the road. I'm not doing the wrong thing. I'm not moving." So she continued to oh. run on the correct side of the road, and this car's seen her and um, then veered onto the correct side of the road. And as they've gone past they've sort of slowed down a little bit to then like give her a filthy look for her running on the road. Mind you, they're the ones <laughs> that were pissed <laughs> off that they had to cross onto the correct side of the road oh. in their car um, to actually do the like legal law abiding things. So, you know, here's Anna out just trying to be a good Samaritan and look after the community, get cars driving on the correct side of the road and uh, <laughs> filthy it up about it. So, you know, full credit to her. Here she is just not flustered. No, no. I'm doing the right thing. You move, um, and she won. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, was an American flag in there. Was it? No, or... no, no, um, no American flag in the back. Um, no Billy Ray Cyrus pumping out of it. Um, was it Mason Cox? No, <laughs> Mason. This was pre-grand final, so okay. could um, have been Mason, out there just de-stressing out there. Yeah, yeah no, Matt Mason wasn't having a mad Thursday, fortunately. <laughs> and whilst I know he is hard of seeing with his goggles, that um, not even he. Um, would be out early driving on the wrong side of the road, breaking the speed limit and doing all sorts of mischief. And yeah, it was, if it, it's, I'm not sure what annoyed Anna the most, whether that was more that they were driving on the wrong side of the road and, and speeding, or if it was the fact that they got pissed off when they had to cross back onto the wrong yeah. side of the road. I don't know. But um, no, so that was our Thursday laugh. This time it's been, it's always an adventure filled morning when we head out and run. So, do I need we'll... to check your Strava? Did it have, did we have a, uh, a breakdown of the story via emojis? I think there may have been a mention of a car that we kept it pretty low key, but there was a, there may have been a car emoji mentioned in my, oh, yeah. yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, awesome. there was, there was that one, and yeah, it, even, um, yesterday, so with all the rain that we've had, um, when we went out to the Botan, there was frogs everywhere, like lots of little frogs. But frogs. Um, yeah, lots of tiny, tiny little frogs jumping all over the path. And um, snakes eat frogs. And our biggest fear wasn't actually yeah. um, stepping on a frog was the fact that there would be snakes out because it was quite warm. It was still twenty degrees when we yeah. ran um, at quarter to six um, yesterday morning because of how humid and yeah. and hot it was. So we were thinking, shit. It's going to be, it's quite warm and there's a heap of frogs out. If there's snakes out, that's it. <laughs> it might be the last time we ever run out there. But, your, um, your, your regular routes, do they 
typically get snakes? They do, but not when we run, thankfully. Oh, okay. um, what, they got a schedule or something? Or... They do. No, snakes prefer daylight, which is good. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> And we're very anti-daylight when yeah, we run. True. So we haven't actually seen a snake on our run, but... Um, there even at is... 7 a.m., you reckon they're still... Uh, no, well, it's, even, most of our runs finish by about... Oh, now with daylight too, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah nah, sure. So the, the next month or so, we should be fine. But um, mm. as we get closer to... Um, the end of November, early December, that's probably the time where we start to panic a little bit. But, yeah, no, we, we were very much on high alert for snakes. So um, I think we saw three or four owls and frogs everywhere. So, um, yeah, anything that moved, we sort of both sort of jumped or yelped or, or screamed a little bit. So it was quite a tense run yesterday. But um, Back through this back catalogue yeah. of podcasts. You've got a full Attenborough sort of uh, setup, mm. you know, all the different noises and animals that you've encountered over over this. <laughs> oh, well, mate, the, the, the screaming now that we've um, allegedly yeah. had out of the boat tent, I'm still yet to be confirmed. But, um, yeah, there's just – it's. I reckon you could do an episode of X-Files down, down at the boat tent, some of the things that we've seen. We've, you know, old mate on his motorbike. The screaming, yeah. well, the screaming owl. Slash bring it back a bit, of a, uh, a bit of a reboot of the X-Files from the mm. 90s. Well, Anna, the, uh, Botan Anna, edition. Anna does have red hair, so she could she could be Scully maybe. I don't know. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll mention that. Um, <laughs> hopefully she sees the funny side of it. But, um, yeah, and no, I watch this space. No, I love it, mate. It's, uh, mate, 82Ks and mm-hmm. a solid session. It's loading nicely. I, I still look at your uh, the Great Wall of Glue and, mate, no one's going over that fence. It is strong. It is. It's high and it's been high since, like, gosh, you look, you're, I don't know, it only goes out. It goes back to uh, uh, October 2022. There seems to be a real low week there. <laughs> the week What's after that? the marathon. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, Because the marathon last year, it's later, isn't it? Yeah. So this year it was on the 2nd, oh, sorry, last year it was on the 2nd of October. So a couple of weeks later. And yeah, I'll remember that vividly. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, I mean, lots of fond memories of the day, but um, I'm not sure whether it was based on feedback from a number of people, but having a marathon on the day, daylight savings changes isn't, really the best oh, that's thing. right that was carnage yeah yeah and, uh, a big a big thing i know that because <laughs> we were doing some stuff with them for the podcast and um the inside running and they were like yeah you've got to call this out to remind people that yeah this is this is a real thing and this is happening on marathon day so. mm. but no thankfully a couple of weeks later this year and um yeah, people getting some regular sleep patterns, which is what we'll talk about in a bit more for taper talk. But yeah, yeah. no, like yeah, because if you look at that year, it is pretty much everything from sixty k upwards from that, mm. and that down week, just hovering on the would you say seventy five to eighty would be. Oh, I mean, I I'm not gonna. Oh, what have you done? You've done. You've nearly done 3,000 Ks this year. Mm. Yeah, it's scary when you look at the amount of hours you've run. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> out there. Anyone would think, think I don't have a social life or anything. Yeah. 
elevation gains um a little bit uh on the low side. Yeah. I've got to I've got to try and catch him, mate. I'm on two five four nine. You're on two nine three one. I reckon you. Yeah, you'll catch my elevation. I reckon oh, my elevation's fifteen thousand meters. Yours is uh nine thousand. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no uh, <laughs> it is relatively flat around here. <laughs> I, I, I only run it down the bloody tan. I mean, it's Anderson Street Hill. Well, we don't run up it, we run down it the, the way you should run it. Well, yeah, um, mate, the biggest week of hills I've had for the year, including everything cross country, was the week that me and you fought up and ran around the tan in March. So, um, that's right. yeah, that, that's that was that's my biggest elevation week, but. No, I think... you had the backpack on, mate. You had the trekking poles out. You thought yeah. you were going up the hills here. Thought Maybe you were going Everest. I nearly needed an oxygen mask. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually just thought, hey, this will be this will be a good gag. I'll have a look at Gemma because mm. her elevation and Matt is the king of hills, mm-hmm. and no doubt as a coach of Gemma has uh, instilled that. Plus, they you know God's country down there. They they really are in a hilly location. She is on 4,800 Ks this year. And oh, her yeah. elevation is, total elevation gain is 46,370 metres. I'm embarrassed because I was <laughs> I was half jokingly going to say that Gemma's probably got us both covered put together and she actually oh, yeah. has and then doubled it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's been 515 activities. Um, so that is... I know she splits her cool down, um, warm up, warm. She's even got a warm up. Part one, just looking at today's session, we're going completely off the topic. We're recapping Gemma's week, but she had a warm up part one and warm up part two. So I don't know, is she cheating there a little bit? How far? How far are each of them? 11 minutes for part one. Yeah. uh, I don't know what happens between part one and two, but then there's an eight minute for part two. Okay. Maybe no, Ollie, no. maybe Ollie was coming. He, um, maybe needed maybe. some help with his strides or something. Changes Matt's uh, nappy between. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, Matt's gonna kill me again. <laughs> um, oh, no, I mean Ollie's. Know. I mean Ollie's nappy, not Matt's. Yeah, no, <laughs> easy mistake to make. Yeah, very easy. Um, but yeah, what were we talking about? Your training. Yeah, no, oh, <laughs> I've no idea. Gemma's training. Interesting to mine. Actually, what we should do is we've actually had someone knock on the uh, on the Zoom door. We don't actually have access to the to the code. I don't know that they've hacked the room, but uh, we've got a bit of a special guest that we're going to bring straight in. Let's uh, let's see who it is. Let's do that. Chriso, who was hacked into the room? Oh, mate, is the one and only Sophie Fit. I mean, it's always a privilege when so does manage get the code and and lets herself in. We're never going to knock her back, and um, mate, it's, it's a privilege, mate. Melbourne Marathon's coming up. Soph's back into some running. Um, she's got two child prodigies now, just um, <laughs> absolutely banging the door down with elite junior sport. Um, so looking forward to an update on those. But so it's been a while. How mm-hmm. are you, mate? I'm good, Chriso. Thanks for having me. Hi, Zaka. Nice to uh, join you guys. Lovely to have I'm you on, Soph. So one thing is for sure, I definitely didn't hack my way in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, how are you, Soph? Yeah, very good. Yeah, busy times at our end. I 
can't recall when I last spoke to you. I would have been quite heavily pregnant. So I'm going to say it was June. In fact, I think it was, I was just wrapping up at work. Um, So that would have been late, mid, mid, mid June, mid to late June. And then, yeah, on the 4th of July, um, Independence Day for some. Yeah, we had another baby. So, yeah, this, it's been a, so it's almost, yeah, well, it's three months. That's amazing. Wow. Gosh, that's crazy. I haven't spoken on here for that long. Um, yeah, so exciting times at our end. We had a little boy. His name's Lenny. And, yeah, I'm just... Uh, navigating life with two under two and all that that brings so yeah that's there's a whole, like honestly not a whole lot to report my days are kind of mundane <laughs> but um no there's uh certainly yeah busy and fun times as well and how's Mabel adjusting to uh having a brother well it's it's actually been very interesting we were very unsure how she would take to it she's only like she's not even she hasn't even turned two yet so we just had absolutely no idea what it would be for her how she would even understand or comprehend like she knew there was a baby in mum's tummy and she would point to the baby but she had no idea like could not conceptualize at all what we don't think and i know actually we do we, we know she had no idea and so it was it was just we were just really sort of um, curious as to how she would uh, interpret what had taken place. And she's just been crazy about him. She's absolutely <laughs> crazy about him. She started yeah. out calling him Lala, which we thought was sort of cute. And, you know, there was a bit of the L, the L sound there. So, you know, some kind of resemblance to Lenny. And Lala quickly became Yaya. And Yaya has stuck. And everybody calls him Yaya. Um, so, and everything, just her day revolves around Yaya. Just everything is Yaya. Um, she really understands that there's this small person in our house that isn't going anywhere. And she's very funny, very sweet. And I, I thought because Mabel was breastfed uh, right throughout the pregnancy, it was only the very late stage of the pregnancy that I stopped breastfeeding her. So, breastfeeding she very much is something that she knows about and then I just thought it's going to be very weird when she sees me breastfeeding mm. someone else and and there's, there's definitely not enough to go around for her I mean, <laughs> there probably would be but um we, we've definitely weaned her and I just thought it's going to be very strange just you know I'm sitting on the couch at home with a baby and to see what her reaction to that would be. And she's fine. Like she's, she's really, she's really good. So that's made the whole thing um, a lot easier, certainly. And that's probably the nicest part about it because it's been hard. It's certainly very, very hard work, but that's the loveliest part is seeing them together. Mabel can just take take the reins, mate. You can just sit back and uh, sounds like she'll just um, drive Lenny around in the sports car. Seriously, I like, well, he was in his little bouncer today and I sort of ran down the front of the house and I had this moment. I was like, um, they're together and I'm not there. <laughs> I was like, this is an unsustainable situation, but funny to think about. So, yeah. no, it's, um, yeah, certainly new and untapped territory for us, but we're getting through. 
I mean, thinking that um, May will sort of keen to play a bit of golf with Lenny or will Lenny sort of forge his own path, perhaps maybe in the tennis world? Yeah, so sport for us is all about um, making money, obviously. <laughs> we don't believe in sport being for fun, especially in, especially in children. Um, so we have picked golf and tennis for our two kids. Um, there is no such thing about enjoyment or fulfilment. It's about um, setting us up for our future. So we think Mabel will suit golf very well, whether she likes it or not. And um, I think tennis will be a great fit for Lenny. Um, I don't see why not. So, um, yeah, like you could be his ball boy. I mean, you've already got, obviously, you're pretty tied up with caddy duties, but, mm. um, I mean, it would just take, you know, simply resigning from your job to then mm. be the ball boy for Lenny. Mm. And then we just need a house where we can afford a tennis court and we're away. Me and Chris are looking forward to 2040 um, Wimbledon going over Seriously? there and just um, in the press, in the box. I'll get you a lanyard. Yeah. <laughs> Lock it in. Hey, uh, running-wise, where are we at? Uh, three months post. Are we, where, what, what's, what's happening on that front? So I waited six weeks after having Lenny. He was born by cesarean section, which was a different um, birth to Mabel. Uh, so I was really in uncharted waters in terms of knowing how my recovery would be. And I was advised, you know, wait the six weeks post uh, birth, and which I did. Uh, and then I saw a women's health physiotherapy went back, saw my obstetrician, who is very, very supportive and knowledgeable around the running space. So that helps a lot because, you know, she's already straight on my page. And, you know, the the original advice was the six weeks, but obviously you don't know how you're going to go. So you sort of just got to wait and see. Uh, but no, at six weeks, I, I felt more than ready. Um, obviously having a cesarean, you're then navigating a wound site um, as much as sort of just recovering from giving birth and um, getting used to breastfeeding and all that sort of stuff. So it was, yeah, different. But um, interestingly, whilst, you know, it is sort of thought of as, well, it's certainly um, a major surgery, um, which immediately makes you think that it's a bit more to recover. I certainly thought it would be more to recover from than a vaginal delivery that doesn't involve a surgical procedure. But I actually found, or in my personal experience, I've recovered a lot better um this time than I did with Mabel and whether or not that's because you know my pelvic floor stayed intact you know completely and wasn't stressed well it's stressed throughout the pregnancy because of the pressure of the baby but it's not stressed throughout the birthing process um maybe that had something to do with it um I know I was fitter and stronger going into the second pregnancy and I was fitter throughout the pregnancy and I think that certainly helps in your recovery from the birth but I really was chomping at the bit, probably three and a half, four weeks post-birth this time, like would have loved to and easily have gone for a walk jog within four weeks of giving birth this time around. But I mean, once you're at four weeks, two weeks is nothing. And, you know, you, you just got to be smart. Like you just can't be an idiot with this stuff. Yeah. So yeah, waited the extra two weeks, got back into it six weeks on the dot, having, as I said, seen the women's health physio, that's for a pelvic floor assessment which is quite thorough 
and um, yeah, methodical and, and gives you that confidence that you're in a position to be able to sustain weight bearing stress. And then obviously seeing my obstetrician to see my wound and all that sort of stuff. And so I started back with walk jog, just started out five, 10 minutes of walking. And then it was 10 by 60 seconds walk, 60 seconds run. Very humbling. And I started with every second day and did every second day for a couple of weeks and then two days on, one day off. Just I, I just managed my pro- program at this point in time, obviously. Um, yeah, very humbly, but I felt really good. No pain, no, um, I mean, if you feel a bit clumsy and clunky and all that sort of yeah. stuff, but that's no different to coming back from a stress fracture or mm-hmm. anything else. Um, no pain around my wound, no pelvic floor heaviness. These are also things that women would be looking out for when they get back into weight bearing exercise. And yeah, then pretty much built into or built up to, sorry, running every day once I sort of felt that I was up to that point. And now I am running every day. Um, and I sort of do Tuesday, Friday, just sort of a mini session, like a sort of a 15 minute like pickup or tempo, if you want to call it tempo. Yeah on one one of those days and then just a kind of a modified fartlek on the other day i haven't quite built up to long runs more than probably about an hour just because it's lenny's mornings are very unpredictable so i actually don't want to be away for more than you know 45 minutes or an hour so i'm not really getting any volume in at the moment but just getting out every day has been awesome for me and just having your me time back Oh, I actually, I was going to bring this up in the discussion. I have always, my running has always been an important part of managing and promoting my mental health. As we all know, I think every single runner relies on their running for their sanity and and mental health and space and everything. Mm. And I would always have said, yeah, no, running helps my mood, this, that, and the other. Like I just add that in. But I think deep down, I always knew it was for the physical and for the training and for my goals and that I cannot believe after having a second baby and, you know, just life being the way it is with two small kids, how much my running at the moment is just for my, it's just for my head. It's all for my mind. Like it's all for my brain. Like I just can't even express that, how different I am um, when I've been for a run and how capable I feel navigating these sort of tough days, (laughs) like, um, you know, (laughs) cleaning up and coloring and coloring books um but just yeah running at the moment I mean I have my goals and I I know where I want to go in the next year or two but um it's just it's all for my headspace at the moment Mm. I just yeah it's and I really struggle if I don't get out for a run like I really yeah I've just got to be careful with um or just mindful of how else I can boost my mood or help you know with that side of things um because sleep we all know what happens when we don't get our proper quality enough sleep and i'm i've always been a person who depends enormously on quality sleep Mm. um so you take a little bit of that away and yeah the days are hard with two little kids um there's no doubt about that so running is serving a very different purpose for me at the moment that's for sure yeah it sounds like in a good space. Uh, sorry, Chris, I'll go. So are you still doing a bit of swimming, Soph? No, I'm not, Chris. I swam right up until the day before Lenny was born. Um, I got my last swim in and then six weeks. So, so the first four weeks after 
the birth um, because of my wound. Um, it, it wasn't recommended that I swim. I could have removed um, the dressing from after four weeks, but I decided to just leave the dressing in place for my obstetrician to do it herself. And so I wasn't prepared to go near the water with the just until my wound had been seen. This is, this is I mean, I, I don't think you guys really care about this stuff, but for someone listening who, you know, is potentially going to walk the path that I've been down, I think, you know, maybe it's worth sharing. So that ruled out the first six weeks. And then just logistically, like, you know, pools don't open till 5 36 o'clock. Then I'm not back until you're looking at more like 7, 7 15. And that's just a bit late for us at the moment. And then once I miss the morning window, uh, you know, I just I haven't got around to it. So um, it's running or uh, a bit of my strength work if I don't get a run in. And, of course, I'm out with the kids walking the double pram, which is <laughs> serious Like Mabel would be, I think, probably 11 or 12 kilos and Lenny's probably mm. six kilos. So, and then you put a bit of shopping in the trailer down the bottom and there's my resistance training. Get the guns um, out this, in this summer. Yeah, seriously. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm walking up a hill. Like you don't understand how hard it is. <laughs> I would love to do a swim or two a week, but at the moment it's it's a bit tricky with our lifestyle. Um, but I'd love to, yeah, because we, we moved house a bit before Lenny was born. And um, so our new local pool is uh, Brunswick Pool. And that's just a really awesome outdoor fishing. It's a cool minute. pool, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's got the really deep end, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it used to be it's like just, a diving pool or something, yeah. Yeah, it's just a fantastic facility. It's We're nice so spot. lucky. Mm. And I really enjoyed swimming there. And I, I yeah, as I've said on this podcast before, I'm I'm a distance runner who really enjoys getting in the pool. So yeah, I'd like to incorporate that at some point, but not mm. there yet. Um, but yeah, I'll get back into it at some point. The swimming for me, like I could swim every single day and I'm like nothing changes and I could swim once in six months and I feel exactly the same way. It's so different to running. From <laughs> yeah, a, that's weird. Yeah. yeah, I'm no faster, I'm no slower, I'm no stronger, mm. I'm no weaker. doesn't matter. Like I'm just. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it'd be great if running was like that. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, yeah, I've got a few athletes. We've got Melbourne Marathon around the corner. We thought we'd pick your brain on uh, taper. Mm -hmm. paper feels you've been through a number of marathons you know what it's like a couple of weeks out but um just on your athletes you got a few going around at melbourne how's what's the state of the nation with uh with social crew yes yeah, so i've got three running the marathon and one running the half at melbourne um there's a few other events that have just been and coming up so yeah my athletes have targeted sort of a, quite a few different things for the um the well our spring and the northern hemisphere autumn so mitch um ruby and um joe are doing the marathon and i am super excited to see how each one of those athletes goes probably had very different preps if i'm honest um oh, ruby and joe probably similar in their consistency um mitch has had a few curveballs thrown his way but has got just a really terrific attitude towards both his prep and, you know, what he thinks the day will bring. And then um, Summer Mary, who I, I know we've definitely talked about her on the podcast. Have, you guys yeah. have also talked about her. So Summer's had, um, yeah, just navigated a lot of different uh, challenges as all runners do encounter um, over the last more or less 12 months. So she's just jumped back into my stable recently and we just, 
she just wants to get out there and just be part of the half and um we're not at all focused on times or performance it's a, it's a celebration of her being back doing a major road race and and seeing um seeing how she feels just in terms of being part of it so i'm really yeah. excited for her to be out there and then that'll be a springboard for what's next for summer but yeah the marathon crew um yeah very uh yeah curious uh, i mean i am mm-hmm. excited for them but I think the excitement lies within them. I, 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 yeah, have that curiosity about how it will all go, which is, you know, how I felt before Laura did Shepparton. And mm. yeah, you just wonder. I'm just not sure if. Yes, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, it's hard. <laughs> it is really an interesting space to be in as a coach in these few weeks leading into yeah. marathon because, yeah, obviously a lot of the work is well and truly in the bank now. It's, uh, bit of risk management and minimizing um <laughs> doing anything silly basically yeah oh absolutely and also just I don't get nervous in all honesty like I'm not oh. nervous at all because I think when you learn more about that person but also you learn more about our sport you realize that in the big picture the insignificance of one race and I think mm. when you're the athlete and you're preparing for that race, you know, the whole world revol- revolves around that race and that race is the whole world. Mm. But we know it's just one tiny, it's it's not even one page in the book. It's a paragraph in the book, let alone mm. a chapter. Like it's just one blip. And that's why I don't feel enormous disappointment when an athlete um I wouldn't say fails to meet, but when an athlete doesn't meet their goal, I just I just know it's one tiny part, one tiny piece of the puzzle and one tiny part. And it's nothing to be nothing to be sad or disappointed about. So I don't get nervous that, you know, I mean, I, I never want them to feel disappointment, but this is our sport. And yeah, there's way more tough days than good days, and there's way more mm. disappointment than there is, you know, that's just the reality of it. So I just get super excited and elated after, you know, runs like Laura's in Shepparton, for example, mm. um, breakthrough performances or, you know, six months of consistent training, you know, performance is not always measured by times, but, no. um, or a, a fresh new state of mind in someone, you know, I get super excited for that stuff, but one bad race, just, it, it, it really doesn't phase me that much, if I'm honest, yeah. like I just, I just know it's part of something bigger and I'm very quick to move on, but I'm also a bit like that with my own running, if I'm honest. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's it comes from a spot of maturity, like in a space of maturity as a runner, I think, when you get in, when you can develop that mindset, because I think it's mm. so hard when you look at beginners, people who have started, people who are influenced by other people out there and what they're doing and getting caught up in, I want to break three hours, I want to break this time because someone else has done it. or And it's a real tricky... <laughs> Because, yeah, it's obviously got to mean something because you want to get out the door and train. But it's like that real balance of like, hey, but you know what? Like this is not going to be the last ever Melbourne Marathon or any marathon that's put on. So there is going to be other opportunities. But it's like how do you bottle that balance of like don't overthink it but don't put so much pressure on yourself that it's detrimental to performance so yeah, yeah. It's, it's I, yeah well I just remember being with Steve Jones in Chicago one year and he had an athlete trying to break 210 for the marathon who was on this phenomenal American contract and mm. so much emphasis was placed on this athlete and this race and it was just 
And Jonesy had worked with him for probably two or three years and, you know, been with him every single day, the ins and the outs, the ups, the downs. And the day before I just said to him, aren't you nervous? Like, aren't you just so nervous? Mm. And he goes, no, I'm not. He goes, it doesn't matter. He goes, it just doesn't matter. Like he might break 210 and he might not. He goes, it doesn't matter. Like I just, and it wasn't a case of I don't care. It was a case of I don't mind. Like I just don't Mm. mind. And I was just like, wow, okay, well, if he doesn't get nervous about, and I don't mean that, if a coach doesn't get nervous about a 210 runner, then why should I get nervous about a 410 runner? It's not a case of that. But I'm just saying when someone has that sort of perspective that one race doesn't really matter, it doesn't really matter. Mm. Um, more to the point, everything else in life or so many other things in life matter more yeah. than, you know, I I try to channel a bit of that perspective and go, well, you know, if you wake up the next day, two good arms, two good legs, healthy mind and a beating heart like do you know what I mean that does actually yeah. mean a bit more than one race 99 percent of the pop. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, not, yeah you're doing exactly. better than uh, yeah you're in a really good spot you're in australia you're in a beautiful country you, you know there's a lot of perspective that you can find but when you're deep in the trenches and yeah of course <laughs> yeah it's hard of course and that's not to say i mean and, and you know we are all in it for those sort of for for, for, for pbs and performance mm. and taking our running to a new level and all mm. those things that they're little um, but they're critical and they're you know we shouldn't play them down but um, yeah I think before the race it's it's so important to build it up like it's everything and Mm. then after the race remember that it's nothing (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's, yeah 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 oh and that's it I mean you 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 work with your athletes and you really want to stress to them that one race result doesn't define them as a person. Now that's irrespective exactly. of if it goes mm-hmm. really well or really poorly or somewhere in between. But, um, you know, if they do very well, it's nice to be able to celebrate them because you are proud of them because that oh, race results are an absolute summary of all the effort they put into the preceding three, six, nine, 12 months. So yeah, like you want to see them get rewarded for the effort, but if, the result doesn't happen for whatever reason, it's okay because yeah. the sun's going to come up tomorrow and you can have a chance to analyse why it may not have gone to plan and then you can get better from that. So, um, hey, whilst we all enjoy celebrating success so much more, there's so much that we can learn from those experiences where, you know, maybe things didn't quite work out how we hoped. Yeah, but I think what's also important to remember is it might, like we want to see the reward for the effort and the reward for the training and we want to see them hit their goals but just because one race may not go to plan doesn't mean that there is no reward for the training like mm, that's the block right is so important that they have him like they are improving we're all on a trajectory of improvement if we're out mm. there consistently you know day in day out week in week out consistently training more and building we are getting fitter and yes, you want an objective measure of that, which is essentially a result uh, and numbers and um, yeah, a race result. But a block might have gone spectacularly well. And but unfortunately, like I, I don't know if you guys are listening to um, Paddy Stowe on Road to Berlin, mm. and like he really did have what I thought was a tremendous lead into the Berlin mm. Marathon. Now mm. I still think he had a great race. I was tracking him. Um, he didn't hit his goal time. He didn't achieve what he wanted to and he felt great disappointment. But 
I still would, if that was me, well, if I was run 225, I'd be stoked. But um, but if I was him or if that was my result, I'd still go, it was still an awesome block. And yes, it's it's shattering to think you don't get your, you know, you just rewards for it, but you have still grown, developed, yeah. t- gone to the next level. You just unfortunately don't have that shitty piece of paper to mm. tell you that you did, you know? Yeah. And how many times do we see that where you, you see these amazing blocks? It goes pear-shaped on the day for whatever reason. They pick themselves up, put another block together. Sometimes it's not as good as that previous block, and yep. then they blow out, blow it out of the water the next time. You're like, wow, that's, that's two blocks on top of each other, and it's come off. And so, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a bit of pill to swallow. And I know Patty yeah. was pretty shattered, but so much to to get from that block and i think um we'll see that like we're gonna see it we've got i think we're looking at lists as like 60 in the marathon already from run to pb and i tell you now we're not gonna have 60 pbs like people are gonna have tough days and it's gonna be there's gonna be you know it's a hard event it's a very hard event to run a pb in and you have to yeah respect that you can't just Mm -hmm. i know we've talked to steve lang kiwi steve before about how we do place this emphasis on PVs, but like it's it's like talking to an AFL player and expecting that they're going to kick 15 goals in a game. But if they have 10, it's a good game. Like it's a really good game. So Absolutely. the PVs are hard, like bloody hard. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Quick, quick one for you, Soph, before we go into a bit more about taper. Do you have any FOMO this year not being, not racing Melbourne? Or have you been that busy with Lenny and Mabel and just life being out of control, hectic, that you haven't really even had time to think about it actually being on? Good question. I would want nothing. Oh, no, no, sorry. I couldn't. Let me start that again. I do not want to run a marathon next weekend. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) Nor a 10K because you've only got your own you know, present state to work with. And yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. So if I was feeling really fit and I couldn't participate for whatever reason, then yes, I would have some serious FOMO. I don't at the moment at all have any FOMO because right now, um, you know, my goals have shrunk to the level of I just wanted to get through childbirth. I wanted to recover from the birth. I wanted to breastfeed well, and I wanted to get back into running. And I've been able to do all of that. And I am I feel really good running at the moment. So I'm just really happy with where my running's at. Like I never knew what um, I would be able to do with two little kids and, you know, a newborn. And I'm stoked with where I'm at. So I have not given it one thought of, I wish I was racing next weekend. Um, but of course I wish I could fast track, you know, my fitness and, you know, I wish 12 months could shrink to three months or, you know, 12 months worth of work could come to me in eight weeks. And I wish I could get <laughs> enough to run a marathon, but yeah, it's not like that. So I have not given one thought to what would it be like if that was me uh, next week. Um, one thing I do hope is this is very selfish, but I've had phenomenal luck with the weather, the bad weather days of Melbourne Marathon of the years yeah. I haven't run it. <laughs> and I've had good conditions yeah. uh, three times. So mm. 
I hope it is horrible conditions. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that one out. I definitely don't just, hope it's bad. Uh, it's I just off. hope yeah, that my luck continues because <laughs> I'll do Melbourne marathons in the future yeah. and I hope my luck continues and I will be, I almost want it to be good conditions because if it's terrible, then that's actually been probably three or four years. Like 2016 was the howling winds. You remember the yeah, drink uh-huh. cups were just... Yeah, I was there. 2018 I've, I've was, <laughs> Sinead was the only person on the whole course who ran well. Yeah. Um, And then 2021 was the December one. Yeah, yeah. These are all the ones I didn't do and they were horrible. So I hope it's good conditions to just reassure me that you can just get good conditions and it, you know, that would Did really... you debut at Melbourne? Pardon? Did you debut at Melbourne? Was that your first yeah, ever match? Yeah, my, my time was... What year? Uh, 2015 was my first marathon and I ran. I was going to say, I did, I did 2013. I was thinking, do, do we uh, line up together? In the same no, no, yeah. I was two years later. I think yeah. I did 248 or 247, either 248 yeah. or 247. And that was definitely 2015. Yeah. And that, yeah. Was, that was good conditions. As I said, like I've had three, I've done three Melbournes with three good conditions. But yeah, no, not really, Chris. Sorry to answer your question. I don't have FOMO. Um. I know Tim Crosby listens to this, but he uh, tell us why you love Melbourne, and Tim will Tim will have to cop this, but tell us why you don't love uh, Melbourne, <laughs> if there is any reasons. Because I know you debuted there, obviously there was some reasons, but is there some things that um, at Melbourne that probably detract you from uh, lining up there in the past? Um, so the only times when I haven't done it is when I've when I've done a different southern hemisphere spring marathon or you know northern hemisphere autumn uh or i've done you know for example i did in 2016 i went to chicago instead of melbourne so you can't do those two Mm. um in 2018 i went to valencia instead of melbourne i wouldn't have done those two because they're only um less than eight weeks apart so it's just that i've gone to somewhere else and i was in the position where you know no family and that sort of thing where i why not travel and and in and experience some of these other races? So it was more the the uh, temptation or the opportunity, I guess, the opportunity to go overseas and not mm. to run a Melbourne marathon, rather than I don't want to do Melbourne. Yeah. I like everything about that race, especially. And shout out to Tim who does look up, has listener. always yeah. looked after me, <laughs> and I and really looks after the elites. Like he does I, do a very good job. Really, really yeah. good. A uh, few things. There needs to be more toilets at the start line. Um, definitely, because you have to do that. You got the red carpet out. If you're in the uh, you're in the MCG change rooms, and then they pull you out to the front of the line. They I know, did have but it's a long time between last that night. last. Between that last nervous wee and the start line, that's a lot of time. 2021, they had a section, they had about three cordon off, I reckon, for the elites. Three toilets? Yeah, for like the group that came out. I mean, yeah, but there were heaps of people using group. them. There were massive queues yeah. everywhere. Yeah. I just think there should, just needs to be more toilets at the start line. That's one thing. Yeah. And when, so the, the half marathon needs to drop back down and go past Birurangma yeah. and up over the William Barrack. Yeah, because, that's um, yeah. We're, we're, we've got to brace ourselves for a bit of a bottleneck there, aren't we? Yeah, that's just and like last year, obviously, I, I didn't have a very good run. That was the year sort of I tried to squeeze a marathon prep into you know a pretty short space of time, and um, yeah, 
just didn't sort of work out that well. And so I was sort of running up the back of those half marathon people. Now, ultimately I'd be hopefully 15, 20 minutes up the road and it, that wouldn't be a problem for me, but that's, that's my dream. That's my goal. However, I'm thinking of everyone else. And I, I don't think that's the half and the marathon converging on Wellington parade and Wellington parade South is a disaster. Like yeah. it's an absolute disaster. And I, unless I was a hundred percent sure of, well, you can't be a hundred percent sure. That's, that's a stupid thing to say, but unless I had so much confidence in my, in my shape going in and I was really felt really confident in my ability to be a lot further in front of the bulk of those half marathoners that they wouldn't become a problem. I won't do Melbourne. Like I just, yeah, it, it's so bad. The marathon and the half converging, down Wellington Parade South into, is it Batman Avenue or Brunton Avenue? Brunton. Uh, yeah, Brunton. Brunton, I think it is. Yeah, I always get those two roads mixed up. Brunton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Brunton Avenue. I just think they've got to change that. They've got to take the half back to the way it was where you come along St Kilda Road, you go over the bridge and then you yeah. go right and go down. down the Mc, yeah, the way Karen McCann did The way Karen yeah. McCann did it. They yeah, have yeah. to go back to that. Mm. yeah they really really have to but mm. aside from that there's honestly the the course is really good um you know i think it is good the way it gets a bit lumpy from 30k um I you don't mind the shot like 30 what is it 36K? oh it's yeah. brutal but yeah. that's the like <laughs> yeah melbourne is a hilly place anybody mm. who anyone who thinks melbourne's flat needs to be a runner and go run it yeah. melbourne's hilly like you just can't avoid undulations um and look, if you want to finish at the MCG, you got to get back there and you want to take in the shrine and the tan, like, unless you're going to go and run along the Eastern Freeway for, you know, <laughs> like, and no one's going to enjoy doing that. You're, you're going to have to cop. Um, and even the wind, you know, if you're going along the bay, you're going to cop that. But you want to, you know, do you want 500 people to sign up or do you want 7,000 people? Because a lot of people mm. want to actually take a selfie and enjoy it and see some good, you know, some good vision along the way as opposed to a boring straight line. Yeah. And look, I don't think, I don't think Melbourne's a, an easy course by any means. Well, I don't mm -hmm. think any course is that easy, but Melbourne, Melbourne Marathon's a tough course. It is a tough course, but that's a good thing, you know, and yeah. it's, it's a really pretty course. Um, there's, yeah, there's no, I don't have any complaints or issues with the course at all. Um, it's just that end bit. And that's got no, that's no reflection of the marathon. That's a reflection of the, the way that the different events are organized throughout the morning maybe they need to be at completely different times i'm not sure maybe one needs to be on the saturday which is impossible because they can't shut the roads yeah. for that much but yeah. that's the only that's the big major thing that i have an issue with what's your run on there 26 27 25 225 and then she yeah. went and did 224 at london yeah. um the year well London when she was out in front. So that was, well, it must have been the April after. It must have been April 2019. Yeah. And um, blokes yeah. have run under 210 there. So like it's, it lines up as a, you know, not yet, not an absolute speedway, but not crazy slow. But the so. remarkable thing about that 2018 one, those conditions, like it was hot and mm. windy because I went for a run and then finished my run up at, just opposite the shrine and it was already getting hot and it was so windy she really they were just brutal conditions remember like 
everybody blew up. Everybody yeah. blew up and people were like, she did us a massive disservice yeah. by demonstrating that <laughs> that day was possible to run well and it was yeah. not possible to run well. That's, that's possibly our leading female marathoners doing that every time they show up, you know, yeah. Sinead's in the alleys and yeah, just, they always seem to um, put us to shame <laughs> with how good, bloody consistent they are and how they pull it off all the time. But yeah, yeah it's going to be exciting. So it's going to be really exciting. Any, um, yeah. So taper, like there's the, the basics we know about not, you know, not doing anything silly during that last week, taking mm-hmm. your time off feet. Um, you know, I think as coaches, we'd like to think we set our athletes up to, you know, into these basics that they really just get through it, not not expend too much energy in that week. Like seriously, don't go to the expo. <laughs> I go to the expo. Oh my like, god! Like if, you, if you want to buy stuff, buy it online now, or go go, <laughs> and go, to, go to the running company and um shop up there because you you probably don't need anything at the expo. Yeah. Another thing, I reckon a lot of people like I think a lot of people get taper week right, but I think mm. you can't forget about the days leading into the taper week, and I I think a lot of people overdo the weekend before. Like 90-minute runs, hour 45, I think that's all rubbish. I don't think you need to do anything like that. I reckon absolute max 60 minutes on the Sunday before, if not, if that's your Sunday long run day or your, yep. sorry, if that's your long run day, if it's a Sunday, 60 minutes the week before, absolute max, maybe even less, and then completely shut it down week off. Um, I also think people don't need to do um, any cross-training leading in. Um, the week or two I mean of course you know if if you if Wednesday for example is a run and strength and conditioning it's not a bad thing to keep a bit of routine um, Mm. in your day or a little bit of structure but I would be I just think shut down all your cross training your elliptical your wind training your pull I mean I think I've spoken on this podcast in the past about the role that cross training plays in in a whole training program and how I think a lot of cross training is just unnecessary exercise that just really just defeats the purpose or eats into recovery. If, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, dancing to the beat of that drum, I think cross training in a couple of weeks before the marathon is useless. Um, However, if, you know, going to the gym or doing a bit of strength conditioning allows a person to maintain structure and routine um, and going through the motions, then yeah, that's absolutely fine. And of course, activation and all those sorts of like go to the gym and just go on the roller. Absolutely. Do <laughs> you know, but go to the gym and... do 10 minutes of, yeah. of glute and core activation. That's yep. really good for injury mm. prevention, for core strength and stability. But it's it's a, a slice of what you normally do, mm. you know, not throwing around big weights, not doing high reps and all that sort of stuff. Just do it to literally activate maintain you know go back into sort of tap back into things like your physio prescribed exercises that are a lot more yeah um therapeutic and a lot less strenuous um but yeah you know just useless cross training sessions i don't think serve a purpose um as the body needs to um start to store glycogen and 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 not be breaking down too much of its energy stores and just to to rest and yeah. um yeah I, that's that's sort of that's what i think it's, 
it's a tight taper brain play yeah you, you get a bit of taper brain you go a little bit nutty and you yeah you know, i see it people want to test themselves they think oh look i haven't done anything yeah. like a few yeah. weeks and i geez i want to make sure i can that's like yeah, yeah just don't don't the testing's done like you you're not going to get you're going to you're going to detract from anything you do in that you now yeah, i just that don't know what you're going to achieve yeah. yeah so i that yeah so one thing is is that cross training thing and then the other thing is as i said the the duration of that last bit sunday long run or the weekend long run i reckon is often half an hour 45 minutes too long i see athletes doing that or i ask athletes about that all the time and i think 60 minutes the week before is plenty and then just yeah have a very very light week going in and um yeah that's i asked um just before we let you go i did ask maddie davy i said um any oh, yeah. taper tips for people and oh this is in a group chat between matt and Gemma. and then oh, yeah. matt's uh just thrown Gemma under the bus and said yeah just don't go using any extra energy i.e building cubby houses renovating the kitchen or mowing the lawn so um and then she had the at, and then matt had the at Gemma. so uh matt's, uh <laughs> hilarious so yeah, next week, yeah, you know, uh, no home renovations for Gemma. Seriously, uh, we're not going on the block. This is just seriously get um, rest. Also, <laughs> Maddie, maybe you could do the dishes every night, mate. Maybe you could stack and unstack the dishwasher. I think he knows where that is. <laughs> also, folding laundry is very taxing on someone. You could fold a few loads of washing. Yeah, make a bed busy. every day. Mate's gonna hate tape a week. Seriously, <laughs> tucking that tucking that bed sheet in is a, a really unnecessary squat. So I'll have you doing the bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I reckon I've seen some of Matt's um, house chores and uh, work around the house. It'll probably actually get Gemma's heart rate up too high if he uh, attempts any of those activities. Hilarious. What does Gemma want to run? What do we think she's going to do? Her build up been amazing. Like we wow. were just talking earlier about the elevation. So she's done a lot of hilly, a lot of runs over some hills, a lot of long runs, strong long runs, some really good marathon sessions. Ran that half at Burnley. I want to say she ran like 74 Yep, minutes, 74. But yep. had run 10K before. Felt amazing. We went out for coffee afterwards and she was like, you know, I could have kept going sort of thing. Yeah. I reckon it's it's going to be two, three something. It'll be, it'll be, yeah. And from all accounts, she's going to be in the mix for um the oh, race. So, um you know, if she races it. Like- do you think two thirty? Oh, I yeah. No, two three something. Yeah. Yeah, I I have to uh, give me a week. Let me do a bit more yeah. deep diving. Yeah. Get a few um. Get some more insights from Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Depends oh. how hard he goes on the taper. It's probably going to be up to how um how well Matt does in the taper more than uh, Gemma. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Uh, I'm super excited to see her run. I'm super excited. And that's, you know, Mm. another, another mum post. post Yeah. Ollie's only. Yeah. June, July, August, September, October. So Ollie will be 16 months when she runs, which is all. And she's an unbelievable year. Unbelievable year. Um, Like she's, yeah. yeah, She runs the kids. She was like, I'm back. And it's just been a catapult from there. For sure. Oh, it's so Mm. exciting. Mm. Yeah. good stuff so it's been great to uh to have you on being cool to catch up and uh yeah definitely Thanks, pick guys. Your over that type of stuff take yeah, it easy no, lovely, to, lovely to catch up always appreciate you giving me the opportunity so thank you and yeah. uh look forward to joining you again soon
Yeah, to catch up for one of those morning runs again. Do you know what time I'm leaving at the moment, Zaka? I meant to tell you this. So I am out the door. Uh, today was 5.05. Oh, that's sick. That's it. No, that's, guess yeah. what? There was t- I, I passed two people at Princess Park. Two. <laughs> <laughs> two, two crazies. Yeah, yeah. And I thought the world must have blown up overnight. See, I'm onto something, yeah. Uh, my Tassie duo that, that are vying for blue collar status, I today, no word of a lie, both their final surge updates, bang on 5.05 uh, 5 a.m. Both went out, one in Lonnie, one in Hobart, both ran at 5 a.m. So uh, That's so bad. Yeah, that is. Um, that's it's as thick as it stuff. sounds. Best time of day, <laughs> isn't it? So. Oh, no, 6 a.m. is fine. It's 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff, so We'll catch up soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. See ya. So that was a bit of a unexpected. Well, it wasn't unexpected. We did. Uh, we were. We had put the call out, Soph, and <laughs> it was on the edge. It was um, a maybe. Let's see what happens with uh, Lenny and Mabel. Obviously, busy playing tennis and golf in the house, mm. so wasn't sure if she'd be able to drag herself away. But uh, we were were very lucky that uh, once we. Once we got Sophie, you know, uh, we can just keep the conversation going. Oh, that's it. I mean, I love Sophie. She's amazing. I think um, it's always good that when we jump on and get to have a chat, so it actually does feel like a catch-up chat. We literally are <laughs> having a, you know, I guess um, you can't, people can't see this because it's a podcast and there's no video, but we actually get to see each other and it's um, pretty cool, all three of us in the, in the same room having a chat. So yeah um probably it's funny we're in a chat group but we don't actually mm. i haven't actually asked so about her running i didn't realize she was back up to doing that kind of case and we're just talking other shit in there so yeah um, run, run it every day and mm. yeah like she's killing it so um yeah no absolutely yeah. stoked she's going well and look what better time to get her back on than with Melbourne marathon coming up so mate we didn't ask the one thing we should have asked about soft combos for melbourne mm, is true so far I actually don't reckon Soph pays much attention to the soft combo. She might be in my camp. but uh, No, Soph, is... Soph runs very understated with the socks, yeah. typically um, sort of very like, ankle ankle length. But um, but you, you're... mate, you are converting a lot of people. You, you've got, mm-hmm. me, uh, got me going because over <laughs> earlier this week, there was a mm-hmm. story. We, uh, we had a bit of a project for you, mate, between uh, our friends over at Oak. Oat running the oatrunning.com.au who have um, amazing socks and some really cool designs that we thought, mate, I reckon you're the man to do a bit of a, uh, what would you call it? A bit of a kit setup. Yeah. yeah. Some info for people who are getting there, getting ready to do a flat lay in a couple of weeks. And they got time to now go out and get uh, some singlets to match up with the oat socks. And mm-hmm. I think you put together three combos. Three combos. And obviously the feature in each of the combo was the, the oat socks. Um, yeah. You know, and socks aren't always the, the feature that you may necessarily run with. Um, socks can be either the, perhaps they're the understated part of the kit or a bit of a base color but no we um we featured the oat socks so the brief was to get the oat socks make those the feature and try and pair them with either a singlet or maybe some shoes that you could purchase from the running company mm-hmm. so I jumped in there and we came up with three combos mate um because yeah the, the three feature socks so it's a bit it's a bit hard 
with um, an ankle length sock to really do yeah. too much of that because you can't see it. You know, all the cool stuff's under the shoe. So <laughs> you're not um, an ankle man. You're an ankle man on some uh, some instances, or you, you're always going a quarter. Uh, maybe like ankle socks if it's really hot. Otherwise, yeah. probably the only other time I'll wear it is when I go to the gym. Because um, there's a lot of people life. that have a preference for the for the ankle. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And look, if you're going to wear ankle socks, um, doesn't really matter. You then you're just matching your shoes and um mm. and your singlets. So, um, but yeah, I suppose I should say with the um with all the combos that we did, we just assumed that most people were wearing black shorts or black half tights for mm. these ones. So um, that's why there weren't any pictures of any shorts. But the three socks that we looked at, so with oat, they've got um a navy blue sock with a white stripe at the top. There's also a navy sock with a, a real sort of pale, pastely pink type number um, with a stripe across the top. And then they've got like a silver or a grey sock um, as well. Dark All in that sort of, Yeah. Maybe um, not. Oh, I don't think they go by. Oh, maybe they do go by charcoal. Yeah. I like so, silver. Platinum. Platinum's, platinum. Yeah. Um, I'm not actually sure the official colour <laughs> of the sock, but yeah, it's like a Platinum-y, silver. Uh, it's actually charcoal crew, mate. Charcoal crew. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I stand corrected. Let's settle that debate. Yeah. So there we go. You can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't argue with internet yeah, facts. The oak, so. oak people have uh, hmm. termed it charcoal. No. Um, so what, what we came up with, and I'm hopeful that most of the people listening have, have seen it, but um, for the... The navy sock with the pink stripe. This one was one for the ladies. So we've gone for the Nike pastely pink, like it's a lighter pink singlet um, with the black tick in the shoulder. And there's also matching shorts that come with it too. Shorts are optional. Mm. But, um, you know, if you did want to match the singlet with the same colour shorts, absolutely could rock that. Otherwise, yeah, um, pink singlet into the black shorts, um, into the navy socks with the pink stripe. Um and yeah, so I was pretty happy with that one. Obviously, yeah. um, pretty difficult for me to to actually wear the lady singlet um, in the <laughs> in the night, but um, I, yeah. I was pretty happy with the color match. And then, um, moving on to the navy sock with the white stripe, mate. We um found a singlet from our our friends at Ernie Old. So, um, this was a feature so of the um summer release. Mm. 2022 2023 now i'm not sure whether you modeled these exact singlets so i think you were more into the long sleevey stuff yeah, throughout yeah. the winter collection mm. but um so the cross-country harriers singlet is mm. a blue number and um thought that went pretty well with the navy and white sock um for those bendigo bats um they have one in a bendigo version but they do. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, not available for sale at the running company. So we went with the um, the Ernie Old singlet um, for the cross-country Harriers. And then for the charcoal crew sock, well, we went with a this bit is, of a this retro This was my favourite, I reckon. Yeah, I like this. this I actually thing. got a lot of feedback on this one saying that it was actually very Melbourne marathon-y. Um, yeah. City cheek. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, sort of vintage bit of retro but also those um like cool kid vibes so mm. we we did go a little bit out there because you know charcoal there's not a lot of charcoal singlets around so you can't do a dead color match but what we did is we went with the maroon ernie old singlets so this is for the cross-country hairs um 
Um, so it's a maroon singlet with white piping on the on the I guess the neckline and the and the shoulders um, into the charcoal socks. And we were thinking perhaps um, some Sockney Endorphin Pros. Um, yeah, I know you're a fan of that. Version three, so the white model um, with the gold trim with those. So a bit of sparkle on the shoes into, I guess, the, the vintage socks and the vintage singlets. So, yeah, it's very Melbourne, um, mate. Mm. Very Melbourne. I reckon if you did, if you had a flat lay and just to, to go full, full oat theme, mm-hmm. you know, go Melbourne, get an oat latte and mm-hmm. chuck the oat latte coffee cup mm. down next to the uh, flat lay. You'd be uh, you'd be a true Melbourne marathon runner, I reckon. Uh, set up with that one, I reckon would pop some numbers <laughs> with that because <laughs> let's face it, that's what it's about. But no, no, it's not. Um, no. but no, we got some good positive feedback on that one. That was probably the one that I wasn't sure how that would be received, but it was pretty cool getting a few of the, um, the athletes sort of pop in and and I guess give their take on it um but also the team at oat they were very excited as well they they um shared it in their stories too and sort of certainly loving um i guess seeing some of the combinations out there and hopefully see a few people sending it in melbourne in the oat socks because um that's that's one of the favorite uh, it's definitely the saying there at oat they they love seeing their athletes send it and um yeah i suppose if anyone is wearing their oat socks in the melbourne marathon that the team at oat would love you to tag them in some photos with you in their socks sending it on your way to hopefully a pb in a couple of weeks yeah tag the flat lays tag the uh post race Mm -hmm. tag the mid race uh yeah the mid race sending of the uh of the oat socks hey mates uh i was gonna say we might have a bit of an oat exclusive on maybe a new colorway too yeah, it has come across our desk. We can't reveal too much yet. Not yet. But, uh, but we may what... have an early release uh, coming our way that we can uh, potentially, maybe we'll get you to model it made out of Votan. Mm-hmm. Watch this space. Maybe um, maybe an option four. Mm. I know it's cutting it fine towards <laughs> Melbourne, but there could be an option four um, perhaps next week at some point. Probably. Hey, um yeah, big shout out to the guys that don't run in Jason Death. They're doing an amazing job. One thing I thought, well, whilst we're just before we wrap up, we're talking kit, like, you know, you've put together some ripping kits, but I had an athlete who had to, uh, had a track session and there was mm-hmm. talk of mid rep chain, like, you know, we're tra- I know you're a big fan of this transitioning into track sessions, mm-hmm. uh, not doing a full session in spike straight away, yeah. but, uh, Look, we won't name uh, Paul Reason, but he was actually scheduled to sort of just do half in the heavies, half into the, the dragonflies. But I know when that was floated, there was an issue around the kit clashing. So mm-hmm. there'd be too much of a kit change. Okay. Thoughts on that, mate? Like, is that something that uh, you have to deal with when you sort of have to do that session where you're transitioning in and you do you go the full change? um thing like, oh. like a lot of people just changed into the into the spikes and they're not too fussed if the the uh kit clashes but is this a real thing for for stylish guys like yourself and uh and paul no look i think not for blue collar people blue collar people <laughs> really just about choosing the right tools for the right job and um you know mm-hmm. whether that's spikes whether that's runners and look it's it's obviously nice to to look good doing it but you know 
our, our hardware is our tools that we put on our feet and you've got to pick the right tools for the right job. And, you know, everything after that's a bonus. So, look, if, you know, if that was a concern, perhaps we, we could spend 30 seconds having a change of singlet. Um, you know, dragonflies come in all sorts of colours. Probably nothing wrong with having five or six different pairs. Don't, don't um, tempt him. Yeah. No, and they're a bit cheaper than a super shoe as well. Instead mm. of spikes. Um, yeah. No. Look. Anyway, I thought I thought I'd just run that one by you, mate. And yeah, I know it's been a long episode, so yeah, people have been waiting all episode for Paul Reese and Rose. They've uh, they've copped it after uh, yeah, a good ninety minutes. Did you manage to get a photo of the kit? on the day for the session uh i don't think he posted that i know he posted something early in the week that came across your desk mm-hmm. uh might have been just do you have yeah i thought it was just tops off photo um, oh. so i wasn't uh, i was made aware of said photo in which nike was tagged um now oh yes oh new shoes yeah 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 mm. nike. now i wasn't i wasn't sure um, if the purpose of the photo was to actually tag Mike, um, mm. and you may have raised this too, Zach, that perhaps the purpose wasn't to show off the shoe and sock combo because we did notice that the photo wasn't cropped at the hips down. Uh, yeah, to really I, I sort of highlight that. the shoe. Because if you more... go take a photo of shoes, wouldn't you just take a photo of the shoes? Yeah, maybe it's like knees from the knees yeah. down, but um, this one was from the waist down, and unfortunately there was a bit of singlet dodging. Mm. happening um so we're suspecting tassie well tassie is renowned for its hot spring mornings yeah um down at the track i think it may may have been pushing 10 degrees um so perfect perfect opportunity to get the rig out but thinking um might have been more of a rig photo perhaps than something that might have been showing off the the white and orange shoes with orange socks i'm not sure thoughts Nah. nah look i think it's just uh yeah we've <laughs> you know my thoughts on it and mm. uh yeah let's look strong audition to um get into the run to pb christmas calendar look liam has january in the front cover sewn up yep. no ifs buts maybes you know i've been trying to throw around some serious tins at the gym mm. to maybe snaffle a spot in november or december but um yeah look a good entry um certainly something that we can look to pop on it's probably more your june july yeah, yeah, but, um, it's, but it's winter, you really need a, a lift. <laughs> um, <laughs> mate, we have, uh, yeah, I think I've lost an athlete uh, off the back of this podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was nice coaching you, Paul, but uh, we got to wrap this up, mate. We've gone way too long, and I think yeah, things have things have gone off a cliff here. Thanks for joining us on this bumper four hour episode <laughs> of um, Better of Running Podcast because yeah. what we could actually slice this in half and you've just listened to episodes 163 and 164 <laughs> without us even realizing yeah. but because um, coming up is elise's mm. interview so stick around for that uh mm-hmm. yeah maybe you've you've finished your midweek run <laughs> and, uh <laughs> you can get you get into the elise's uh be your long run but uh thank you for uh for listening and uh it's been great catching up chris again once again every uh every week we do it so it's always we fun. do no we do it's always always a lot of laughs and Look, to be honest, if you've made it this far, well done. The best is actually yet to come. You were just about to tap into the best part of the show right now with the chat with Elise. So uh, enjoy. Enjoy it. Cheers. This week on the Better With Running podcast, we've got a very special guest. 
it's our new coach, Elise Beacom. Oh, we actually revealed last week on the podcast that we were going to speak to her management to get her on board for a bit of a chat. And uh, we're, we're delighted to have her on for an extended interview. Elise is the 20th coach to join the Run to BB ranks. And I know uh, Brady, Matt and I were, were super keen to bring Elise on as we sort of already heard about her impact she'd had on a few athletes she's already coaching. And now to yeah become uh, part of the Run to BB family, we're really excited. Her deep passion for the sport, knowledge over the last 10 plus years of running has seen her some, uh, yeah, actually we've seen some really interesting things from her uh reading some great articles and featuring in some podcasts on her on her profile you can hear about some of her unique places that probably has ever come up on a Strava feed including some runs in Afghanistan Sierra Leone uh North Korea I think she might have uh, had a sneaky podium finish in front of about 80,000 people so we're going to dig into that uh earlier this year Elise ran a Gold Coast Marathon, new PB, running 2.57. We are delighted to have you on, Elise. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Zacha. It's great to be here. And lucky number 20, Coach. Um, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, oh, we're, we are pumped. And, yeah, just like reading, obviously, when we had a chat about coaching and then, you know, getting you on board and when your profile came through, it was some – you wrote a, a really – quite a like I think you encapsulated it really well the way you've you know a lot of experiences you've had in running but also off the track and how you can bring that together and I think we can chat a bit about that I know when we did chat about your sort of coaching approach you said it did come from like a sense of curiosity and fun and I think if anyone follows you on on Instagram you'll see that you have a lot of fun when you race I think you probably smile more than Kipchoge so Interesting to hear your secret behind that as well, if you can reveal it a little bit later. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm pretty smiley person in general, so <laughs> I'm glad uh, my parents paid for braces as a 14-year-old. Otherwise, maybe I'd be uh, trying to hide that a little bit more. But no, um, the smiles in races are definitely a, a coping mechanism with, with the pain, like Kipchoge as well. So <laughs> good to hide behind that. You had me fooled when I was, uh, I think I was running around Burnley and uh, you went on to run a PB there. But yeah, you were smiling, um, yeah, ear to ear. So <laughs> always good to see when, uh, particularly, yeah, when you you see other people in the pain cave, uh, yeah, you look like you're out for a Sunday Sunday jog. Hey, yeah, it's um, all an illusion. <laughs> hey, as with all running podcasts, and I know you've, featured on a few you've been on the other side of the mic but it always is a, a staple question is to take it back to to young Elise and you're running as a kid primary school high school where did you where did you grow up and also um, um yeah your sport in your life as a youngster tell us about yeah that. so I grew up in Adelaide and actually found running a little bit later in life, but was definitely a, a sporty kid. I danced a lot. So I did um, classical ballet and jazz and a bit later flamenco and just love performing, um, love movement. 
I played like basketball and netball. The basketball was, you know, until my height became a significant disadvantage. So for anyone who doesn't know me, I'm five foot one and a half. (laughs) So um, we're about the same size. (laughs) (laughs) Not much of a future in b-ball though, unfortunately. Um, But I did love sprinting as a kid. So I would always do like, 100 meters, 200 meters. And I never trained. I didn't really know what training was. Um, I went to little athletics maybe once or twice, but I couldn't understand why I had to like throw things or jump. Um, So I ended up kind of throwing in the towel on that because I just wanted to run really fast. Um, And then in high school, I guess uh, one kind of glimpse into running that that came for me there like I did a little bit of cross country but again it was being forced into it uh by school and would end up kind of representing the school at state days and stuff and one day uh these sports scientists from the South Australian Institute of Sport came to high school and they did like the beep test and stuff um and so I was must have been about 15 at the at the time um and like kind of I scored a hundredth percentile in the beep test. Um, I don't know what I actually ran up to. Uh, and also funnily enough, hundredth percentile in the vertical leap. So okay. <laughs> but little basketball, um, yeah, it could have been crystal pursuit <laughs> basketball career there. Yeah. Well, they did invite me to come and try out uh soccer, but mm, that would make sense, yeah. Yeah, but the Matildas weren't around at the time and I was a teenager and I was like, nah, just sort of not into it, which is I regret a little bit now. Um, so, yeah, but but actually getting into the running happened in my early 20s, really, um, much much beyond the, the school years. Mm. Hey, um, was women's football as there? Have I come across some women's football or am I dreaming that did you play yes was that obviously a bit like yeah AFL is that yeah later a little bit little bit later um so after living overseas for a while I came back to Melbourne and moved to Melbourne in 2017 and thought what's a, a way to make some new friends so I joined South Melbourne District's uh football club which was really great I absolutely loved it I became completely obsessed with footy um I just sit out on the wing and run back and forth (laughs) (laughs) um and you know tackle hard and be a bit in and under uh but I had a couple of bad injuries which made me hang up the boots so I had a broken finger that wasn't too bad but then my first game back I tackled someone really hard and I fell on my head um so I was clearly not doing the tackling right (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah I got a really nasty concussion which actually took me nearly three months to come back from um I had to go on like reduced hours at work I couldn't run because it would shake up my brain um I was sleeping 11 hours and all I could really do for entertainment was like listen to audio books of Harry Potter narrated by Stephen Fry. Like it was pretty grim. 
That is, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that is in, that's intense, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, well, I want to go into a little bit around your, I mean, your LinkedIn profile is storied with uh, a lot of experiences, a lot of recommendations, you've pretty much clocked LinkedIn. So, I, like, what do you actually do? I mean, you, you talked about going overseas just briefly, but 2012, my research says you ended up in Copenhagen. Is that correct? Were you living over there? Yeah, that's right. So I moved to Denmark uh, in 2012. So I'm, I was probably about 23 or something. I've aged myself now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I moved over there for love, which didn't work out but that's for the best. I hope that he's not listening to this. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I was working, I was a journalist at the time. I did some freelance journo work over there. And then I got a internship at, at a United Nations agency as a writer, which then turned into a more permanent role in communications. So I spent three years in Denmark Um working in the headquarters there. And after a point of time, I, I was writing about the impact that this UN agency was having all over the world. And I kind of wanted to be a bit closer to it. So that took me to some of the places that I was writing about. Uh, okay. Now it's starting to, I mean, we, we talked in the intro about some of these places that you had done runs on and I kind of joked about being on Strava but I'm guessing they were definitely not put on Strava given some of the locations <laughs> you were in but um so 2015 I'm just doing a little bit of a timeline here because we're going to get to your recent running but just to get some more context around your experiences overseas 2015 to 2017 with the UN you were um you were overseas uh, obviously working in some some places that, uh, yeah, people don't go generally for holidays, but uh, what were you doing there in, in some of these locations? Yeah, so 2015, an opportunity came up to go to Sierra Leone in West Africa. So it was near the start of the Ebola outbreak that happened, which was a pretty serious outbreak um very deadly virus um sort of 50 percent mortality rate mm -hmm. and so I went over there <laughs> with all that in mind um and we were building permanent triage facilities for hospitals to basically stop people with the with Ebola just waltzing into the hospital and infecting everyone there yeah um so yeah it was an incredible experience to be part of um, responding to that crisis. Um, they did a lot of the same things as we've seen here with COVID. So, mm -hmm. you know, they banned large gatherings, they put curfews in place. Um, you couldn't shake hands. Like we'd have the Ebola handshake, which was like um, nudging each other's elbows sort mm. of thing or fist pumps. You could do that. Um and I would run a little bit. I was probably running like once or twice a week 
was pretty full on work. So working okay. six days a week, um, 12 hour days, like the roads I was running on were full of potholes. There was like this dodgy electrical wire on my road that would like send sparks out sometimes. And people in the neighborhood <laughs> were really mm-hmm. friendly though. They would like often encourage me on my morning runs and, and yell things at me, but like in a nice way. Um <laughs> <laughs> were they safe the... running did you feel was it okay to be running yeah I actually I felt really safe there which is kind of wild um mm. sometimes I feel less safe over here but um yeah no I, fe- I felt fine I did find a, a group to run with um towards the end of my time there and they were called the hash house harriers and it's kind of like an expat group uh they have run clubs all over the world but lots of locals were in it as well so we were running with Sierra Leonean um mates as well uh but they kind of brand themselves as a a drinking club with a running problem so yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's not like a bad club actually no (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah okay wow that is um and you know obviously getting out once a week just obviously being so busy and and I guess a mental health break and it's it must have been yeah like going through like being in amongst that what kind of an impact did it have on you as, as a person just like seeing all those stories and being in a bit of a crisis like how did and does it like I imagine some pretty distressing scenes at times yeah I mean particularly a country like Sierra Leone, like they went through this really grim civil war um, just years before the Ebola crisis hit them. So people just don't have much. Um, and it's it's actually shocking, but people with so little can also seem quite happy. And I was just blown away by their resilience going through this epidemic like they some of them this was the most horrible thing you know um a person might lose someone in their family and then because of all the traditional practices that they would do at a funeral like washing the body and um just certain customs it would often end up that that whole funeral would end would get infected because Ebola was still um, transmissible in on mm-hmm. from the body um so like you hear stories of people losing like literally their whole family to this thing um which is just so shocking so mm. to be able to play like a very small role in that in addressing that crisis was really fulfilling but you know it took so much effort and so many resources to be able to ring fence that disease so it didn't spread further um beyond West Africa but yeah but yeah so many people lost lives and families and yeah it's really sad yeah it's no no doubt that sort of sense of perspective I know you get a little bit of it when you when you you travel but then when you're in amongst it and you see that direct impact and I don't know like often I I do a little bit of travel and come back and you see these some of not not nothing like that but you see scenes and then you you then you get back into regular life and it's like it's just like another universe and you forget that 
yeah, it's yeah, and we're probably going a little bit off topic here, but um, just to just to drag it back, there was I just did want to touch on the North Korea um anecdote about you getting on the podium in front of eighty thousand North Koreans. Uh, how did that come about? In terms of obviously, <laughs> were you there to work or like what was what's the go there? Yeah, it's it's a bit wild. I can't believe I actually did this. Um, I was working in Afghanistan at the time, so this North Korea trip was technically a holiday. <laughs> I do, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but basically I was just Googling where I'd like to do my next marathon and saw Pyongyang pop up on one of those, like, world marathon sites. And I thought, hmm, I didn't know you could go there. But lo and behold, you can. Um, it was like a very structured setup yeah. with, you know, you had to go through a tour guide. There was a minder who kind of didn't leave your side the whole time. Yeah. Um, but it, just an incredible experience. So I was there for three or four days. Um you come in, they like check all your bags to make sure you're not bringing in like any sort of propaganda or mm. um, anything that could damage the regime, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and then there were all these rules when you were there too. So you couldn't take photos of um, any construction sites or anything that looked like the country was still developing. They really like to put this, put forward this view that everything is fine and everything mm. is like crisp and clean and, you know, um, sorted. So, so they're letting you great. run around at 42K out in areas that typically are restricted because you obviously got a very restricted areas that they let tourists in. Are you getting a little bit of access to seeing what regular North Korea is like? Probably not, to be no. honest. Yeah. <laughs> we So the loop, so I ran the half marathon, which was one lap, and then they did the marathon two laps of the same loop, maybe because yeah. they wanted to really, you know, ring fence the yeah, <laughs> amount yeah. of things we were seeing. I thought it was um, going to be 100 laps around the track or something, and they like, oh, yeah, you no. just, <laughs> just stay yeah. here when you can't see anything else. <laughs> this is your one zone. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah, very interesting. And I noticed you got a bit of a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool pride, uh, sort of a goodie bag afterwards with some interesting, um, interesting goodies in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I got this, um, big vase, a big green vase, which I was yeah. presented, uh, when I was on the podium in front of like 80,000 people. Uh, so that was lovely. And this, bunch of nylon flowers with glitter all over them and then this goodie bag had like Korean pop pop music a, a CD oh, of Korean pop awesome. music yeah. um yeah a few bits and pieces I also have a lot of North Korean art in my home now and there's there's also some Korean language on some of the posters and I have no idea what it says but it's probably something pretty um inflammatory about the west about the west yeah yeah you could crank out that um korean pop for a uh, bit of a pump up tune before your next race yeah i might do that actually it's good <laughs> no gps watches on course that was another interesting one so yeah i, I, just say, watch a, behind. I don't think they're big fans of strava over there no 
Kim Jong Un's <laughs> not into it. Yeah, no, yeah, no kudos for that one. Hey, um, so okay, so you've you've done you've you've been working overseas, you've done um some <laughs> amazing travel and work, but then going back twenty seventeen in back to Australia and running, I guess obviously it taken it obviously become a bit more of your life over there but i guess having some stability back in australia might have um pushed things along what uh what was the catalyst for that focus and did you put in some events back when you were back in australia yeah so i think running was the love for running was always there like since copenhagen when i put in quite a bit of running and ran my first marathon from there and then even just in Sierra Leone and Afghanistan I always tried to run a bit um Afghanistan was mostly on the treadmill um but a, a bit more running over there and so when I got back I thought oh I really want to do some get into a proper like rhythm with this um and so after the football thing finished I thought oh I should sign up for like a half marathon or something just to get my focus back a bit uh so I think I did one in 20 maybe 2018 um I might have done a race and just didn't put any pressure on any of these events or times or anything um and was just training myself really uh and I guess 2019 was probably the big comeback moment because I decided to sign up for Melbourne Marathon um, and I trained for that, but still pretty low mileage. I think my like highest mileage week was 40K or something. Um, But I ran like 3.30 and I just wanted another notch in the belt because I'd had an absolute disaster at Berlin when I was living in Copenhagen and almost got a bit scared of the marathon for a few years as you do um and so I was like I just want to run one and then I'll do one properly after that so Melbourne kind of got me back into it um and then the next one after that was was Canberra in 2021 and I ran 312 there so that was kind of getting back into the swing of things were you under some guidance through going into Canberra? Canberra, no. I did the thing of just printing a program off the internet, which I know you shouldn't really do now or it can go pear-shaped, but that went okay. Um, because I didn't have guidance, I might have actually slightly underperformed because mm. I was aiming for 315. I just had that in my head because my PB at the time was 317. Um, and I knew I had to come back a long way to even get close to that. Uh, but I ran like a massive negative split, like huge. I I think I was averaging like 435s or something for most of the race. And then I the last 10K, I was running like 406s and 408s so (laughs) it felt amazing it was like the best race ever I overtook (laughs) so many people and I felt so great the whole time but maybe with some guidance I might have got a little bit out more out of myself on the day Mm. yeah and 
and like things just obviously in this running world and being in Melbourne or being down in Victoria and being immersed in in a culture, being around a lot of athletes. I know you've had a chance to to run with Surf Coast Track Club, uh, some other community groups that we'll we'll touch on a little bit later. And then uh yeah, your your passion and love for the sport. You were obviously deep diving into a lot of a lot of podcast books um and and learning a lot about the sport what were some of your inspirations that you could draw on back then yeah oh gosh I've I've just hit so many podcasts so many books um like I would say inside running is definitely huge I I found that um I later listened a lot to like a runner's life um I read I've read pretty much I feel like all of the running books even mm. the sort of the technical ones like advanced marathoning the 80 20 the um how bad do you want it um running with the Kenyans mm. born to run the buffaloes one like <laughs> so many I I just I felt felt like once I'd committed to running being my thing uh I I kind of went all in on it um and yeah I'm still there I feel like I'm just growing more and more tentacles into running as the years go by which has been beautiful and it's happened in a really authentic way I think Mm. it seems to be a bit of a trait with you like when you get into something it is all in and you're going (laughs) at it hammering tongs and like uh, reference your LinkedIn profile or like some of the things you've achieved and I can just see your, your obviously your deep passion and and like you know curiosity and as well as just wanting to learn and and you obviously talk to a lot of people communicate with heaps of people and it's it's obviously shown through with with what you've been able to achieve in the last few years obviously learning the ropes of you know, a few years ago and now it's starting to come to fruition. There's another thing that I wanted to to touch on around and you, you talked about the books about um Born to Run and about um the uh, Ken, running in Kenya and there's a, a trip to Kenya that I know we're fast forwarding here because there was a marathon before that, but but maybe let's go there. Uh you did get a chance to go over to Kenya and yeah. uh I know you there's a couple of photos there with you with Matt Fox, you've been in E10, the home of champions. So yeah, a run camp over in E10. It's um, a runner's mecca, a bit of a dream for a lot of people. Tell us about uh, how, how did that first come about actually? Well, again, it was kind of following my nose and the curiosity and uh, my coach now, John Starrett, he was coaching a couple of uh, Kenyan athletes and has spent a lot of time over there and he uh, facilitates these run camps, um, training camps over there. So I kind of said, oh, I'll just treat myself, birthday present to myself, go over to Iten for, I only spent two weeks there, unfortunately. I Once I was there, I really would have loved to spend a month, but um can be a bit hard with work and and that sort of stuff. But yeah, unreal place. You take this small plane up to Iten or it's up to Eldoret from Nairobi. Um, and there's just runners everywhere, like all the time. There's big groups of runners. 
just out on the trails. Um, on my third day there, I actually asked this man for directions and he was wearing a full Adidas tracksuit. So that should have been a clue. But <laughs> he he was so lovely. <clears throat> yeah, he was so lovely and he just dropped what he was doing to walk me to my destination. And I asked him what his name was and it was Bethwell Yegon. And I Googled him after and he was a 206 marathoner and was the runner up at Berlin in 2021. I was just like, this is nuts. (laughs) Yeah. And that was so, um, I guess, symbolic of the level of running and just how immersed you are in running there. The the hotel I stayed at was Wilson Kipsang's hotel. Like the accommodation is is really simple. Um, you're just basically running, eating, sleeping, chilling, like repeating. Um, the trails are amazing. They're really rocky. The terrain's actually quite uneven. Mm. There's lots of hills. There's hills everywhere. It's really hard to find a flat run. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you just see people like drying running clothes everywhere. You know, I'd go into a cafe and someone had left like an unsigned athlete contract on the bathroom sink, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you see that in um you see that in Richmond cafes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what cafes are you going to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um that is wild. It really is. And and some of the t- like is it without it being too much of like a voyeuristic kind of setup is it like you're watching these africans do their thing and you're just in awe and trying to get your head around it and also trying to like maybe look and go what can i take away from this definitely yeah and i felt like i learned a lot from that experience um like some of the things that spring to mind were that people just don't care about GPS or splits mm-hmm. or, you know, most Kenyans don't have Strava. They don't become obsessed with so that good. sort of data. Um, mm-hmm. So like a takeaway from that has been now I don't have laps, lap splits on my easy runs. I just mm-hmm. really don't care um, what it ends up at. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I need a cough probably. Um, yeah, and then finding the hills or seeking out hills because they just make you so strong. So the Kenyan approach is like run to effort because you can't change the terrain around you. So mm-hmm. if there's a hill, you slow down. Like just keep it really simple. Um, and and be- self-belief, that was the other really big thing. Like everyone is doing their best over there um everyone wants to make it and they don't put ceilings on their potential and in the same way that we do i think yeah it's yeah i, I like the don't care about pace i like the simplicity that um you know we we hear and it's yeah i think and look, the elephant in the room is like, you know, there is the, the, the drug culture that has crept in and it's quite a big, you know, the media pushes it pretty hard. I don't know if it's there or not, but like, 
and you look at when you're living when you're over there and you're, you're there for a few weeks and you're seeing how much of a like how much they're trying to make it what impact it can have on their life i'm not trying to give them an out but you can you see that that's possible that people can come in and take advantage people can make decisions that you know probably aren't correct but like i don't know for again i'm not trying to defend it but for like someone who could actually change their life you can see the temptation and and what was the feeling like on the ground about that was it uns- was it was there any talk of it i know possibly within westerners you were chatting about it off you know <laughs> in the corner of the cafe but like <laughs> is it kind of an open yeah open secret that some of this stuff's going on it wasn't talked about openly um I would have loved to you know go real gonzo journalist and go (laughs) undercover and try and get EPO from somewhere but Mm. um I think that would have been quite dangerous (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but but to your point about the I guess life-changing potential of races for people in Kenya I can definitely see it from that perspective Um, again don't want to give them an out but I don't think there's as big a shame placed on being done for doping over there that's the sense that I have and Mm. when you see like one of the guys that we were out running with he invited us to his home and literally he's he's a great runner he ran 212 at Nairobi marathon which is you know at altitude and hilly um Mm. so that's a huge result and his home was so small and he'd kind of wear the same running clothes every day and and you just think you know a big juicy race check would just change that life so much um Mm. and so I guess there's just different sort of drivers to the ones that athletes might have in the western world Mm. yeah and there's it's complex because you've got corruption at play with the you know Korean okay Korean uh, Kenyan officials you've got um managers coming in you got shoot like it's just it is complex and it's probably another podcast in itself that we like probably couldn't do it justice i don't know enough but like i mean average income's like three grand three us three grand us so you're talking like you know what if i'm like a 210 guy i'm 250th ranked in kenya so i can't even get like any i can't make a team oh shit exactly what am i gonna do i might you know try and get down to the great ocean road and win four grand that's that's a year's income like I know it's it's shit that it happens because there's a lot of athletes that get ripped off from it. So it is just super complex. Um, but I think just to just to bring it back to the Kenyan experience, because I know it didn't sound like it was soured by seeing any of that or hearing about it. Um, yeah, I think being able to come back and you did you come back just super inspired to to just go to another level. That was definitely the biggest um, outcome from the trip, I would say. Like 
two weeks is probably not enough time to get an altitude benefit, but yeah, yeah. inspiration levels were really high. Um, and I think it it also made me let go of things like expectation or pressure on myself. I feel like I go into races now just being like, I wonder what I can do here rather than thinking I really want to hit this time or do this exact thing. And I think having that just sense of discovery has served me quite well um, since. So, yeah, it was just amazing to see so many people giving it their all in this running game. Um, Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. I'm interested to know what you've touched on how pressure and times and as you sort of progress with some of your running in, in Melbourne or, you know, your Canberra marathon and you did negative splits and you started to get immersed into the culture of running here, run with other uh, runners. You got into groups, elites, you're around others, that pressure on yourself. How did you feel about that? Like, is that something that would stress you out and, even being on Strava, like, did you start to compare yourself? Like, how did you go about managing all that during the time? Because I know there'd be listeners out there that are possibly going through that where they've just transitioned, they've sort of got some momentum with the sport, but then maybe there's a little bit of a plateau. And how did you sort of work through all that? Yeah, it's a really good question, actually, because it's it's a weird thing where I feel like the better my running has gotten the the crapper I feel my running is if that makes sense <laughs> um I I think I think though that's probably uh, because even doing like the podcast for the kudos or working mm. with those guys like those people are on another planet yeah. <laughs> compared to me mm. um so I guess that's the all of that aside. Um, I I talked to a f- couple of people when I was in Kenya. One was Ross Braden. He shared some uh, thoughts around like sports psychology and and a sports like he'd spoken with in lead up to s- some races. And he's a two fourteen marathoner in mm. the UK. Um, and he suggested. Uh, a book called The Chimp Paradox, which I read. Mm. I really recommend it. Um, Basically, the whole premise is that we kind of put this artificial pressure on ourselves to do things. But if we let go of that and we just change it or change the framing to be, I'll just... I. I can only give my best or I'll just Mm. do my best. And if I fuck up, actually, it doesn't matter because I'm a human, I'm an adult and I can deal with the consequences of the fallout. Um, Mm. But if, if I don't try my best, I'll never know. And I think even just being deep in races and thinking, Oh no, I might've gone out too hard or um, at great ocean road, there I was in this big pack until 20k and I looked at the women around me and I was like oh they're a bit younger than me I don't want to have a sprint finish (laughs) with these women Um, and so I thought huh maybe I just need to go now and and not look back and I remember Mm. thinking oh no have I made a mistake here and then the next thought that came was 
if you have made a mistake, you deal with it. You'll learn from it. Mm. It's fine. Um, and and that's been really good. So it's it's kind of freed me up to just focus on my own thing and and not do the comparison trap because you know the saying like comparison is the thief of joy Mm. and it's absolutely true so I love Strava as like a social media platform but Mm. I try not to buy too much into what other people are doing um because I think you you probably it gets a bit dangerous oh 100% I think it's I think everyone's on their own journey with that because running is so binary like your times are just they're out there like people know yeah and and we're called run to pb so like you know and you know and and it's like we we look at pb but like we try to like think about it as like you're just doing your like you're not going to run a pb every time you race it's just not realistic like no one does and but if you are giving it your best and you just just you know and, and desi linden i know it gets quoted to death about keep showing up and all those things but it really like getting comfortable with just whatever happens with the result and i don't know it's it's and we've all been through it as runners where like we get wound up into the expectations and the pressures of other people and we just think hang on but like end of the day like it's on you and you don't like it doesn't really matter like no one has ever i've never had a bad race and someone has come up and said oh you did a shit job or you didn't do well like why did you why did you blow up it's like if they say that well they're probably not something you're going to be hanging out with anyway so why would you care what they think but i think it's 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 everyone's seems to be like and in in coaching as you are now and what i've learned over the years is yeah it's it's really challenging because you have Strava and you have people that really get wound up on I want to break three hours like I have to break three hours and someone else has run under three hours so I have to do it but then it's like everyone else is on their own trajectory with their own running and yeah I think it's and going back to Kenya it's like these they just go out and they just do their best and they run and they just you know they don't care about pace and they just go for if they don't feel good like I know of people that's why I didn't feel like running today I was just I'm tired I need a rest there's so many people that will just that's not non-negotiable I'm just going to push myself out the door so yeah really interesting that you've had that experience overseas and seen it firsthand and then sort of been able to to bring it in here another uh Another race I wanted to quickly talk about was Valencia, which was in 2022. Yep. You might have met Brady. Had you met had you met Brady before that? Uh, I think I'd met Brady like very briefly before that. But yeah, we actually were on the same flight flying over to That was he on the flight because we he's um he's at the best of times a pretty up and about guy. He's, um doesn't seem to stop was he was he relaxed on the flight well we weren't sitting together but in the airport he was pretty up and about I think you know we were going over to Valencia so energies and endorphins were high yeah. <laughs> maybe a little less high for him after that race unfortunately oh, no. I know you're in, I that. know you were up and about because you had an 11 minute PV which was huge but uh Valencia like it is the place to go now. There, we've got a lot of women heading over there for um, a tilt at potentially Paris qualifier. It's going to be an exciting. Uh, Valencia, tell us about that race. Big PV. 
Yeah, big PB. Um, so it was last year I had I had a bit of a interrupted year last year because I I got COVID and it knocked me around for a few months. Um, and so I had been wanting to train for Melbourne Marathon, uh, but that didn't happen. So I, I ran the half there and then I just, from that event, I just had so much FOMO, all the people <laughs> running the marathon that I just, I think I sent my coach a, a voice memo pretty quickly after that and said, mm, do you think there's enough time to train for Valencia? Uh, <laughs> so it was going to be an eight week. Adventure. I reckon they'd get a few that do that because they put it out. What is it about eight weeks out? Yeah. So there was a wait list, mm. um, which I jumped on and yeah, they, so, uh, the eight week mark was when I managed to get on to it. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, my coach almost didn't let me, but given I'd run the half marathon, he, said I could do it so we crammed in like six weeks of training uh and then a two-week taper for the race which was I guess not the best <laughs> preparation yeah. in hindsight but we still did some pretty meaty sessions like he his thing and this just kills me every time but he loves a uh, long marathon pace sessions. So this is literally like 23k at marathon pace, uh 25k at marathon pace, 28k at marathon pace. This is with no breaks, like not broken up. Um, as Sundays? part of my like yeah, as part of my long run. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty grim. Um and I probably floated around low 90Ks for the six weeks um, and then had a taper and headed over to Valencia. I just went over for just over a week, really. It was a pretty crazy move, thought, but, yeah. you know, YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in the week leading in, I actually had a really bad stomach on the Friday night and got a bit worried, woke up Saturday morning with stomach cramps, was texting friends who are doctors and they said, find yourself some buscapan. And I didn't know what that was in Spanish. So I was going around pharmacies and trying to like get something to settle my stomach. And anyway, it's called buscapina in case anyone oh, ever okay. needs it yep. over there. Um, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> and then morning of the race, uh we so I'd ordered an Uber the Uber didn't show up then went and tried to get a bus to the start line found some people waiting there then that didn't show up uh this French oh. guy and I were in the same wave and we were getting a bit worried because the start was rapidly approaching race morning yeah <laughs> I know race morning stress is the worst <laughs> but uh so anyway this guy John and I ended up jogging to start line 2k's in like coats and backpacks and <sighs> then he ended up being my start line buddy so you know <laughs> you know while you pee he looks after your staff yeah and vice versa so yeah. that was really nice um to have him there <laughs> this random person I'd met on the <laughs> side of the road uh, and then the race is just 
phenomenal. Like, I am not surprised that all of those women are going over to run this year. And I can't wait to see what happens with that race mm-hmm. as a pseudo Australian uh, Olympics basically. qualifier. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, there are just people around the whole way. There was a blue line painted on the road. Um, but yeah, from the get go, my legs felt quite heavy and I just, you know, when you just know that marathon pace feels a little bit of a stretch, Mm -hmm. I really had that feeling. So I went through halfway, like just under 129, uh, sorry, just under 130. Um, so I was still on pace for sub three and Mm. then around 28 K it started feeling hard, but Mm. I held it together until (laughs) like 37 K and then couldn't do anything, but my legs Mm. just started slowing down. And I think I ran like a four 30 at the end. So I lost a minute in that last five K basically, but it was still an 11 minute PB. So you can't thing, complain. Considering eight weeks ago you weren't going to be running a marathon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's uh, and then a bit of fire. We're going to talk about a little bit of your media stuff just a little later. I just thought I would bring up though, Valencia did get a chance to. You're in the same race as uh, our own Sinead Diver, who broke the Australian record, and you had a chance to have a chat to her after. How did that go? Yeah, that was so great. So we'd been texting before the race and I was going to interview her for the blue line and mm. we were both thinking, oh, I hope we have a good race because otherwise, yeah, you know. be an awkward interview. <laughs> yeah, the, the chat might not go so well. But, um, yeah, Sinead came to this rooftop bar we were at after the race Um and my only regret is I was still in my race kit. We went straight from the race <laughs> to the pub and yeah, I stayed in my race kit till like, oh gosh, I know. Yeah. But I mean, how embarrassing for me in front of our queen of running, Sinead Diver. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but um, yeah, spirits were pretty high. She was really ecstatic. Her mm. sister was there too, which was cool. Yeah. So she got to share it with her and yeah, just hearing about that experience and just seeing this woman who just continues to excel at the sport is just incredibly inspiring. So it was yeah. such a privilege to be able to share in such a raw moment yeah. with her yeah. because it was so close to after she'd done this amazing thing. So, yeah, definitely a career highlight, I would say. Ah. Oh. Yeah, it, it was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal day in Australian distance running because Brett had broken the Australian, did he, I don't know, with the time difference. It was either he did it in the Harvo, maybe. In the morning, maybe he'd broken it, Bookwoka. Yeah, he'd broken it. And she didn't look at his time because she was worried it was going to make her nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what a, what a day for Australian marathon, Australian athletics, really. Huge. I, um, that run, getting this 301, must come back into Melbourne thinking I've got to, got to hatch a plan for the sub three attempt. And I believe Gold Coast Marathon was put on the table. 
Yeah, big time. Came back really hungry. <laughs> I think it's, it's almost... You're probably gonna, if you're interviewing Sinead after uh, her breaking Australia, you could not come back hungrier. <laughs> like, missing <laughs> three hours, then interviewing Sinead and going, I've just got to, like, go again. And, yeah, <laughs> Well, so I had Brady on the way over to Valencia and I had Sinead on the flight on the way out of Valencia. So that was really cool. She's oh, just like the nicest person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think for anyone out there, if you just miss like a time barrier that you're really keen on getting, it can be actually really good fuel or motivation to go mm. that next step, I think. Um, and that was definitely the case for me. I felt like I had some unfinished business to attend to in <laughs> 2023. Um, and so I signed up for a race that was a bit closer to home, Goldie, yeah. and <laughs> had a bit more time to train for this one, which was which was good. It's a novel experience, yeah. Yep. Um, so I... Just on that was well, when at the start of the block, I think you're going to get into it is just to talk about the build up. Did off the back of that run with your coach, did you look at a few things to tw- obviously the time frame was was one thing you could tweak a little bit more time, but were there some things that he was like keen for you to do in this block leading into Gold Coast? Yeah, so definitely the the time frame was the big one. Um yeah. but uh one thing we've we've talked about is just getting a bit faster over the half distance and also the 10k I, I suppose before extending out that speed over the marathon yep. um so that was a big part of it but I think it was more like getting in the proper training doing the specific work and if yeah his his one um I guess qualm with my build up was that I was racing every second weekend. So <laughs> that is that's that the a AV? bit of a spanner. That... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's mostly not, AV. He's not a big fan of the racing every couple of weeks. I think he'd prefer I would do the sessions. Um yeah, yeah it just make makes it a bit harder, especially with if you're doing a long run session um, yeah. after a Saturday race, it just doesn't work. So I, I did a few rogue things where I do a long run on a Wednesday occasionally mm-hmm. or just things to be able to squeeze it all in. Yeah. Um, but the build went pretty well. I, um, I did do some, the meaty sessions again like lots of marathon pace work and the difference this time if I look back on Valencia probably my marathon pace sessions were around the sort of 4.18 per kilometre mark which is incidentally what I averaged for the race I averaged 4.17 and then this time around I was hitting like between 4.07 and 4.10 pace for marathon pace and I ended up averaging four tens. So I think it definitely seems to work for me to do these long grindy sessions. So I was doing, yeah. I did a two 21K marathon pace sessions. I did a 23K marathon pace session. I did that twice as well. I did 26Ks at marathon pace as well. Um, and then midweek sessions were like 12 by three minutes off 35 second 
shuffle. Um, 35 do, seconds. Yeah, 35 seconds, which is yeah. comes around yeah. very quick. Yeah. And that was kind of 10 mile pace. So mm. like seven seconds faster than um, half marathon pace. Uh, or I'd do like eight by five minutes and that was off 75 seconds. The the recoveries are like really plotty though. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was around the sort of 10K half marathon effort. So a lot around that threshold midweek. And then the long run was like the big meaty marathon specific session. Um, but then yeah. you're also racing in there as well. You're doing like yeah, a six, the six k relay or uh, some shorter races where you, you're going all out. Exactly, yeah. And my my all out is just like the same pace for everything because I have no <laughs> gears. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're on the same page there, don't we? <laughs> um, but yeah, I was so it was actually hard. I to keep the mileage like at a decent level with all the racing. Um, I wasn't tapering for any of those races uh, and I managed to keep my Ks up to between like 90 and 104 Ks for about 13 weeks. So it was just a long period of nothing crazy mileage yeah. wise, um, but just consistent. If I look at your Strava and the great uh, the great blue wall of um of bars there from pretty much from end of Jan, it's yeah, yeah it is just yeah, it's a really good city of buildings and uh, yeah, there's some couple of skyscrapers in there, but everything's very consistent around that hundred mark. And I did see there was like a in about a month out. I reckon it was three, four weeks out, which is typically when everyone kind of does that big last one. There was a big one down with, we'll give a big shout out to Benno, uh, Ben Dranovic, who did a progressive longie with Ben and it was 12K easy pace, 6K at 435, 6K at 430, 6K at 420, and then a 6K kick down at 355s. Taking on fuel, I think you said you took a fuck ton of fuel on, which is... um. <laughs> The technical term and yeah so that worked out like 36k at the end of a week uh at 430s that's a cracking one i think there was a shout out to karen as well who um didn't like the, the hydration station on her front nature strip <laughs> yeah. bring back a few memories that workout yeah it does actually um so I had a little bit of a cold that week and I was meant to do a, another marathon pace session, but I ended up jumping in with Ben, who I trained a bit with during the block because we were both going after the sub three. And yeah, so that was a session prescribed by Matt Gunther. So shout out to Matt yes. as well. Shout out um, to Gunther, yep. Yeah, but we we just did that around the sands near in, in oh, yeah, Torquay, which is uh, where Torquay yeah. Sands, yeah. Exactly. Home of, the, home of the champions for uh, Moose and, El- and Ali. Yeah, there's a few, few course <laughs> records going around, few crowns. Um, yeah, and just I was, we were really like practicing the fueling at that point. So putting bottles on the bonnet of the car and um, mm. really pushing the boundaries with how many carbs I could get in and mm. Felt really, really good. That run actually felt really great. And I think it was maybe because I'd 
had I had dropped the session that week because I'd been feeling a bit off and asked my coach if I could just jump in on this one and he said yes and he basically said try and kick down like give it a good kick down at the end and see see what you can do so kind of let it let it rip a little bit at the end I don't <laughs> know if watch. let it rip's yeah. the right term that actually sounds <laughs> a bit off yeah <laughs> all those Cut that brain. anyway <laughs> Uh, yeah, like those, those workouts when you're in a marathon block and you get them right, they give you so much confidence. And yeah, when you're taking fuel on, you've got, typically you might have the race shoes you're going to wear on. Like it's just, it's, and I know some of our athletes leading into Melbourne would be in that same boat where they might've done that one or two weeks ago, knowing that, you know, they can, they can go into race day confident and ready to, to, to let rip. Um, the, Race weekend. I reckon we met pre-race up at the um, Brady's little extravaganza or the Lululemon event. We should actually, um, wasn't all about Brady, but there was a shakeout run. And I think we were chatting on that, on that run. You were just up and about your bubbly self, ready to go. And then the next day we saw you in the, is it, are we going to go with the unicorn kit or I'm not really sure. Um, Yeah uniform unicorn kit uh you had on your strava some uh i believe is that um what sort of tape is that is that like the kinesio tape oh yeah uh, yeah yeah the blue tape where you had a few things just um not tattooed but stuck on with uh, a few words you had, had um I'm trying to read it here keep oh uh, yeah okay so you had this isn't great podcasting but uh <laughs> The, there was some slogans on here. One of them is you're a fucking mermaid with legs. <laughs> but that was cool. Uh, is this a thing you do before every race? You write something on your hand? Yeah, I do actually. I don't know how it started, but I, <laughs> I write something and it's whatever feels right at the time. Um, but yeah, the the story behind that one was, yeah, I was like, had this Technicolor outfit on that looked a bit unicorn mermaid like and then I uh, just thought oh yeah just like be a be a mermaid out there and then I was like that's a ridiculous thing to think say, about like mermaids for being fast or run no they don't they don't have legs <laughs> so I was like this is a bad plan so yeah. I, I added the with legs okay so you're a super mermaid <laughs> but, <laughs> but the point was that it was there to make me laugh so mm. if I'm really in the hurt locker i just look down at that and it's something really silly uh, yeah. and it your head brings that own. smile out <laughs> and the other one was okay one to 15 was sleep so like what literally go to sleep but yeah we know what it, yeah sleep sit on the couch chill out then it was break free from 15 to 30 so uh yeah Take out the shackles, get out of the shackles. And then gears was 30 to 36. Is that right? And then the last 6K, you were going to smile. So smile from 36 to 42. <laughs> uh, did it all go to plan? Uh, more or less, yeah. Uh, so I guess the the thinking or the maths behind the plan, if we do the workings out or show the workings <laughs> out, there was a headwind from in the first 15k of the race so 
I was like, just find a group, sit at the back, don't do any work, like don't feel like you're running, just sleep. Um, mm. Then at the turnaround point, I thought I could pick it up a little bit, which was the, was that break free? I can't remember what I wrote. Yeah, break free was 15 to 30. Yeah, so knew there was going to be a, a tailwind. Um, I would not usually pick up the pace of 15 or 16K in a marathon. Usually it would be at 30 or 32. <laughs> but given the conditions, I kind of changed my plan a little bit. Um, mm. And so I was like, don't worry too much about the paces you're hitting. Like sort of high, uh, I was like maybe 408s or between 408s and 410s maybe some a bit on the lower four minute side, but not what, not too worried. Um, and then at 30 K I thought, okay, I can actually like push a little bit now because you're a bit safer 30 to 35. And I actually felt really good until just after 35, when we did the turnaround and oh, yeah. came back into the headwind where mm. I was meant to smile. I was smiling cause I was in pain and <laughs> And a friend of mine, Aiden, who I train with, he came running up behind and um, caught me. And he's like, oh, I finally caught you. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. This is quite demoralizing, actually. (laughs) But but he he was kind and he just like let me hop on the back for a bit and kind Mm -hmm. of reset my focus. And then I just said, look, Aiden, you go because you you are going to crush it. So just continue. And he, he left me and then. Um, I don't know. I just like gritted my teeth. I knew there wasn't long to go. He, I saw him at around 39 K grit my teeth, smiled. Um, I think my slowest K was a four fifteen, So I didn't lose much time, but I felt like it was just much harder than it was earlier, obviously end of a marathon. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the last kilometer, I just thought, okay, the last kilometers for free, like this finishing shoot is amazing. It's colorful. Yeah. Like there's so many mm-hmm. people cheering, just soak it up. Cause you know, you only break three hours for the first time once. So I just wanted to enjoy it. And I definitely did. It was yeah, yeah a great a long, experience. Long celebration, like 500 meters out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Both arms up. <laughs> yeah. Go the early celebration. Um, I mean, your splits were were crazy. I think I messaged you when I was doing a little bit of prep. I just was like, hang on. I just fell off my chair when I saw how consistent your splits were, like just hitting those, yeah, 412, 414, 412, 411, 410. These are the 5Ks. Average 407, 410, 416. Like, you know, finishing the four, uh, 411, the last 2K. So, like, that was, yeah, an how when you were when in those last few k's like I know you 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 joke about smiling and when you're in a lot of pain are you like are you actually thinking about silly stuff like mermaids or are you actually going to different places thinking about your fiance your family friends or what are you doing in that that last few k when it's really hard? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it's it's thinking about maybe the work that you put in that that kind of fuels me at the end. I will always think of my family and my partner, Marty, and our dog and stuff earlier in the race. And mm. 
um I'll often like break up sections and think about different people at different times during the race which I really enjoy as well it's kind of like they're there with you for this 10k section and then someone else joins you for the other bits like Mm. a long run with your your fam uh I think I think at the at the end of the race though it's it's really like digging deep into that you've you've done the training you can do this it's a lot of positive self-talk though um I try and keep it positive it's not like negative you're pathetic get to the finish sort of (laughs) stuff um it uh, and it's it's almost trying to distract myself a little bit from the pain and and really just grit it out and and get the, the end done we should probably bring in right now that you also are studying sports psychology so is this something that yeah an, an area like in particularly running is that like has that been a focus for you to like sort of go I want to really learn about this mental side of things and obviously across a lot of sports but yeah and and how's that going at the moment yeah so I've gone back to uni I've got exams like this week so it feels very real um but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I've I've been really intrigued with the brain and its link to performance for a while I think the interest in the brain happened after I got that concussion I just became Mm. quite interested in you know how your brain can make you feel um and then getting more and more into running and also like I guess learning to deal with pain or discomfort in races and the kind of places that your head goes during those moments has um instilled this kind of interest in me in that and I really really believe that there's so much that can be achieved by getting that mental game right and Mm. you hear of races that go completely wrong or off the rails because that mental side of it just isn't there um so one of the interesting learnings that I've had recently has been talking with um one researcher and sports psych uh christian swan who is a proponent of um setting non-specific goals for races and so that's all about like not being overly obsessed with arbitrary times um Mm -hmm. he pointed to some research where like 75 i think it's 75 or 74 percent of marathoners don't actually hit the goal time that they have on the day and it can Mm. completely affect how they feel about their run um even if they've run a massive pb if it's not hitting that kind of barrier that they set for themselves they might actually feel bad about it Mm. Uh, so even learning things like that has has been helping with how I frame my own run running and the advice that I might give to athletes like targeting races because sometimes those specific goals they might not serve us like either they might be unrealistic or they might be actually limiting our potential yeah uh, you you hit up a a lot of top a lot of key points and I know we're gonna probably drag you back onto the podcast at some point to chat 
more deeply about sort of the mind and and some of these some of these topics because I'm a hundred percent on it. So, and and like it's just it has become uh, it's it's actually become a big topic in sport and it, people are taking it more seriously. I I, I think back to. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, when I was running a lot better, I was never looking at the mental side of things. Like it wasn't a thing. It wasn't, I don't know if the advent of like different forms of media, now there's podcasts, now there's like, there's just so much more out there that there's maybe a more access to this sort of literature and this sort of these, like these boffins that actually have done research and it's getting out into the open, which we can actually apply. So I think it's really, it's a really cool space. And I think a lot of runners are, are kind of respecting it and getting it now, as opposed to just like, just go out there, train hard. And you know what, if if you don't get, if you get the result, you get the result because you trained hard, you deserve it. Like, I think that's, there's another element to, Hey, maybe you need to look at what you can do, you know, off the, off the track as well, that could actually help you running. So yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting space. Hey, uh, and I think, you know, with Melbourne Marathon ahead, I think, um, yeah, some of the some of the things we've sort of touched on, particularly around your, I guess, your attitude towards, you know, racing and things like that, I'm hopeful that some people will take that on board. Hey, uh, just to tie a bow in your 2023 season, I noticed you went around the Grand Prix 10K the other weekend. You had a PV there. Burnley, you had a PV, so you've had it absolutely huge year like yeah pv central <laughs> like the geelong region and your community run groups your training partners like do you want to have a chat about just those and how they've helped you this year and, and beyond that obviously previously yeah yeah um yeah, it has been a good year, like a year of uninterrupted training. I'm just really scared to look around the corner, so I'm just making hay <laughs> while the sun shines at the moment. Um, but I moved to the surf coast in the at the start of last year, so I've been here like 18 months now and obviously needed to find some friends, and so running is a really great way to do that. Um did a couple of things like went to the run strong um training camp that they ran in Aries Inlet met cool. a bunch of people there got kind of um a nudge to like join Geelong region XCR but we couldn't put a women's team together last year unfortunately so we only um got a team together this year in Div 2 the Geelong Pussycats mm-hmm. so um, met a really great group of women there and some really fantastic runners like our queen pussycat is ellie pashley so that's yeah, a bit of an unfair unfair advantage <laughs> it's unfair because like ellie is an amazing runner but probably one of the nicest persons you could meet as well like yeah you just yeah i think her ability to like just so giving of her time and encouragement to every runner I've you know had the fortune of being around Ali a few times and just seeing how how genuinely she cares about her other runners like she could win the race but she wouldn't tell you she want, want to know about your race like it's just 
yeah, and having someone like that at the helm at the uh, the Pussycats is uh, must be super. I think a bit of a pinch me moment, I guess, for someone who yeah, a few years back had sort of got into the sport, but now gets to run alongside someone like Ali. Oh yeah, I mean, not running alongside like she's running way ahead, but. <laughs> but all of the things that you said are so true she's like the most genuine lovely person she um lent me her shoes for one race she like literally (laughs) took them off her feet and gave them to me um and they were still warm (laughs) because was that what you put on ebay the other day (laughs) yeah that's right making millions yeah um i'm gonna buy me a pair of those adidas with uh all the killings yeah yeah yeah. the ones with the motor um (laughs) Uh, but that was for that, um, there was this relay, St. Anne's, Murnion, oh, yeah. and the terrain was so bad and I brought yeah. spikes and she came back and she was like, do not wear those. <laughs> mm. So um, that was very kind. But, yeah, having being around those sort of people has been brilliant. Um, I also run with a bunch of guys um, called the River Runners in Geelong, mm-hmm. so do quite a few long runs out there. Um, I, the first time I went out to train with them, I just got added to this Facebook group and I said, oh, I'd love to come tomorrow, but I have this really like big session to do. And one of the guys, Scott Cracker, give him a shout out. He mm. just said, oh, I can do that with you. And we'd never met before. Um, mm. And that was the kind of vibe of that group too. So everyone's just supporting each other everyone works hard um and I think that's what I've really gotten so much out of from the XCR season and running with Geelong is the team aspect um because running can be really individual and and really lonely but with that team aspect it it really feels like being part of a a strong community and it's really made me feel more at home here on the surf coast so I'm pretty grateful for that 100 i mean guess you know coming from a team sport background where you did play some football and then to be sort of out training and obviously you know there is just there's no ways around it you have to do runs by yourself whether it's a work schedule or you know it just doesn't tie and you can't run with your team every week or every every run but to have that team when you you know at the end of the week you know hey i'm going to be at the XCR race with the, the the Geelong team, or even going to have this community run or group on a Sunday. It just, I think, for me personally, it's always got me out the door a little bit easier. And you know, you're kind of part of something bigger than just getting out there and doing it for yourself. So it's really cool you found those groups, and it's obviously helped your running. I I wanted to talk about, and and I know we're being conscious of the time and going for a little while, but it's probably a topic that I think is really important. You've covered it on your on FTK, a pretty powerful episode on safe space and running. And I think I'm not going to do it justice by talking directly about it, but I think that role you're playing in the media and also like female distance running and the, the whole community as a broad sense, because there was a, number, a couple of others on that. But, I mean, we're going to put the the details in the, the show note but about it, but it was all about, like, I think it's it's really, I had a listen as a male, it's, like, really hard to listen at times, like a bit sickening, really, to, to yeah. under, try to understand, like, what 
women go through as runners and, and having to deal with that, which, you know, we take for granted that we can just go out and go and run and we don't have to think about, you know, running in numbers, running different times, changing the route, like all these things that you cover so well in this podcast on safe space for running, um, safe spaces, I guess, for women. Uh, what was sort of feedback you got from that episode? Yeah, we were actually quite blown away by the feedback. And like you, like a lot of men listen to it, which for us felt like a really big win because we didn't want people to see this episode come up and think, oh, this is a female problem. This is a woman problem. Like this doesn't relate to me um, because it does matter for all of us. Um, and I think it, one of the most beautiful pieces of feedback that we got from male listeners was, oh, I got some really practical advice as to how I could help like my female running friends simply by asking them to come for a run or mm. even just being aware of things like if you're running behind someone and it's a bit dark and it's a woman, um, maybe you could actually change your route because you might unintentionally be making mm. her feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah. but, and it's only because a lot of us, unfortunately, have experienced horrible things when we're out running mm. and probably most women have a story to tell there that we automatically go into a bit of the fight or flight mode if we feel there could be a threat. And there's stuff like women leaving the house with, their their keys like clenched in yeah, a fist yeah, or yeah. you know just being really conscious of using headphones or running in the dark or there's so many barriers to participation for women to just get out the door and go for a run that it's really sad and the more we can minimize that through community run groups or like running with um women friends of ours and and things like that the better yeah uh look and, and like i mentioned we'll put it in the show notes but yeah it's it's really powerful episode i think and i think a lot of people should, if they haven't listened to it definitely should um should check it out and um yeah kudos for, for the work you're doing in that space hey um before we let you go i just saw a couple of like just we're not going to do the quick, I know Chris wants you to do the quick questions, but I reckon we'll get you back on the show for, um, to do the quick questions and, uh, put you under the, to the flow, George. Um, you mentioned your partner, Marty, is it Marty? Yeah. Earlier. And, um, how does he go with the running? Like, does he, does he run? And I know we've got a few coaches in our stable who like partners don't run or partners are right into their running. So where does uh, where does Marty sit on the spectrum? Yeah, so it's funny because he runs several times a week, but he doesn't call himself a runner. <laughs> uh, he's run two marathons. One of them was wearing like a full suit, like a business suit. I don't actually off a world record or something. Or <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he was. Um, he raised some money for for mental health, but. Oh, I was just surprised. Like I asked him about the chafe because surely, you oh, know, yeah. but no chafe apparently, like silk lined suit. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. And, and how is he with your like? So, you know, we see you. You're you. You've got a smile. I mean, I've I've we've had the camera on you. Probably smile for ninety minutes, but like your Instagram is smiling. But you're in one hundred twenty k week. Does Elise get scared, grumpy? Do we need to ask Marty this, or are you going to come clean? Can at the end of a you know taper week because everyone goes in a bit of crazy mode in the taper. How are you as a as a running as a partner who is uh, in depth of a of a marathon tape? Uh, uh, are you going to become clean? Are you you um do you get a bit grumpy during that period? <laughs> I'm actually like I don't get that grumpy to be honest. I'm like pretty happy go lucky. I um I go crazy though. That's for sure. So <laughs> it's not grumpy, but it's like. Uh, that week I'm wrapping myself in cotton wool if someone coughs I'm like running away um and if I when I went to Valencia it was like mask on whole flight you know (laughs) I probably had two masks on double mask um but yeah so Marty hates traveling to marathons with me because I'll be like I don't want to walk around too much the day before and (laughs) And then before I know it, we've been like scooting around Canberra on these electric scooters <laughs> all day and I've done 25,000 steps <laughs> um, and, you know, getting my shot of pickle juice sorted for the <laughs> night before, which is a little tradition of mine and stuff like that. Yeah, so he does put up with a lot. Um <laughs> But yeah, we we often go for jogs together. We've got a Kelpie, so uh, we both run with her a lot because she's fitter than all of us. Um, (laughs) But yeah, if he applied himself, he'd be quite a good runner. Like at Canberra when I ran the full marathon, he just like ran a 137 off not much. So (laughs) yeah. But I think there's only um room for one level of obsessiveness yeah. in the family, <laughs> I think. That sounds like he's very supportive and, and maybe we'll look to get him on at some point to get his side of the story during the table. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, that actually would be quite frightening. But, yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Hey, um, one off the completely off the record, but, like, what actually – because you just seem – full of life you like you take on everything but is there anything that scares you like and also second part okay so there's two parts to this one one i want to get your i want to really get under the hood and try and break you here but what actually scares you Elise? and also what are you searching for with your running oh okay big okay well i'll say a silly one first and then a more pertinent uh profound one but I'm really scared of snakes. So running in summer is terrifying to me. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I'm scared of is public speaking, which. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> hang on, on wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so I am, I have gotten much better with it now because I've really forced myself to do that. Um but it's been a real journey to get there. I think public speaking can be so vulnerable um, and you're really putting yourself out there. And that's always been a little bit daunting for me. 
I don't mind. So for me, doing answering the questions is way harder than being the one asking the questions. Yeah. Um, or speaking out in, in front of a big crowd. Like I really have to rev myself up to do it. But people like ask me to MC their weddings and stuff. And I like <laughs> have to do it because it's such an honor. And then yeah. at the time I enjoy it. Like when I'm there in the moment, mm. I really enjoy it. It's just all of the build up. I'm the like, oh, what if I make a fool of myself? Or mm. I don't know, lots of things could go wrong. So yeah, that's probably what I'm scared of. Um, and searching for with your running, running. Mm. Yeah. That's a big question too. I keep saying that I just want to be the best runner that I can be and whatever that is, I'll be happy with it. I think the, the more you achieve with running and I'm sure lots of people relate to this, the, the little bit higher you keep raising the bar, um, but I honestly just enjoy it so much that I just hope I can be that little old lady at the tail end of the marathon in, <laughs> you know, 30, 40 years time, mm. still crushing it yeah. <laughs> and just have a really long life in the sport and be able to share that joy and love with like other people is a real privilege, I think. I love that. Like having a good relationship with the sport. Like I think I've seen over the years, like I've had the privilege of being around super elite people who just, they're not lifelong runners because they don't have a good relationship with after it. And I think it's, um, it's really difficult um, when you also searching for the best out of yourself and high performance, but, there can be a little collateral damage with that. So sounds like you got the balance right at the moment and uh, we're excited to, like, we're just excited to follow along, obviously, your journey, but more so um, now athletes got a chance to to be coached by you. So all the details are on the website. People can, um, yeah, get in touch with you. Yeah, it's been, it's been really fun chatting to you and I think just learning, I think for me personally, learning a lot more about your story, but also for the listeners. So, uh, Thank you for taking yeah taking the time to have a chat. Thanks, Zachar. It's been really fun.